the Agostin Hosinga show with your host Agostin Hosinga. Smack the shit out your bitch ass midget girlfriend, nigga. <laughs> And welcome back to the Agostino Zynga show with I, your host, Agostino Zynga. And this is episode number 667, 667 of the Agostino Zynga show with I, your host, Agostino Zynga. And I hope you are doing well, wherever this podcast may find you. I hope you are doing swimmingly. I really, really do. That's my only hope for you right now is that you're doing amazing because you know what? I'm doing absolutely splendid today. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. My back's still a little bit tight from the past couple of days, but I've done some sit-ups and stuff and now I've decided that I need to go out and start running again like I was doing before because I think that is what really helped me keep my back strong and it also allowed me to kind of get my lumbar spine nice and tight because of my form and because of the pose running stuff that I was doing and CrossFit running and, you know, the emphasis on making sure that you are bouncing on the balls of your feet aka the toes of your feet all of those things were really really important to make sure that I was slipping running the right way and obviously doing sit-ups as well I've got an ab mat somewhere here I should show you but also the ab mat needs to help because at the moment my back is still feeling a little bit tight a tiny bit tight and this is a warning fair warning to everybody out there if you're listening to the Agostino Zynga show and you're right here listening to me right now and you sometimes go to the gym, this is a warning for you and a heads up. Please take my advice. Usually when I go to gym, I'm not sure if you guys are the same, but usually when I go to the gym, here's what I do. When I go to the gym, I get all my stuff. I get all my like, usually I use, um, I use the, what you call it? I use a squat rack. That's usually my go-to place because on squat rack, if the if the platforms are not free, I can do a deadlift, I can do overhead presses, I can do back squats, right? I can do all these things all on one sort of like rack. I can do it all there. So what I usually do is I usually get all my plates and I stack them all next to my squat rack. So I usually have my 20 plates, 20 kg plates, 10 kg plates, a five plate. Usually those are the three plates that I use when I'm going out to the flipping gym, right? And I have like doubles of those, obviously, on either side of the barbell. So sometimes, because I'm so organized and I know what I'm doing, I think people take it for granted. They take it for granted that I'm organized and I kind of know what I'm doing and I'm a bit of a ninja. I go into the gym. I'm in and out. I'm not one of those guys that loves to hang around. I'm not on my phone. I always plug on a flipping mix or I'll put on my songs that I've downloaded on my phone on shuffle because the gym usually has terrible internet and terrible Wi-Fi. So my Spotify or Apple iTunes will always skip. So I'll download a playlist and just run it on skip or whatever. Maybe, sorry, on... um on um on shuffle so i don't have to touch my phone anymore i don't like touching it all only maybe until the end of the set but i like just to kind of focus on my set anyway long story shorter 
I usually get on my plates and put them next to the squat rack. And I think what happens, right? I honestly think what happens is that people see my plates all nicely lined up. They usually go, because I'm a bit of an OCD freak with them flipping numbers and shit and how I stack my books, as you can see. Um, I usually have them from like, you know, the biggest weight all the way up until the smallest weight. So they're stacked up nicely on the side, all the way from the biggest to the smallest. And people just come by mine and think, you know what? Let me just pick yours up, your five plate or your template, because the template that I want is underneath 20 you know flipping 25 kg plates so they'd rather just get mine whereas i've made the effort to get mine out from that flipping pile to put there so word of caution to everybody that goes to the gym if ever you're in a gym and you prepare your weights you stack them all next to you and someone tries to take it off you to go and use it their own say i only use it for a little bit don't let them use it it's a really cunty thing. It'll make you look like a bit of a C-U-N-T and everyone's going to, you know, they're going to give you eyes or they might kiss their teeth. But what happened? The reason why my back is tight, reason why it's tight is because I had all my plates stacked up. I was, I think, pulling, I don't know how much I was pulling, a, a decent amount of weight. And then I was going up in like 5 kg increments. Then this guy said, hey, can I take your 10, please? Right? So he took my 10. And then I only had to go up, now I had to go up a 10k increment. Or like, no, basically, yeah, I had to go up like a 10kg increment. But I usually had to work work my way up. And then because I had to go up to the 10k or a 15k, you know, plate, it essentially caused my back to spasm because I hadn't worked up to it. I had to kind of skip a step. So that guy taking my plate was responsible for my back flipping getting tight. Honestly, I swear it. It's not my fault. That I didn't maybe, you know, have correct form, that I didn't wear a belt, that I maybe wasn't paying attention. No, 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 no. It's not my it's not my fault. It's that guy's fault for picking up my flipping template, saying he's gonna give it back, not giving it back. Then I'm having to put a flipping 15 on there on the barbell, and then I pull and I go, Ugh! Cause I like my noises. <laughs> like what? Yeah, all that shit. I love all that stuff, right? I did that, and then guess what happened? My back went. Eh, eh. My back, my back started making Burt Kreischer laugh noises. <laughs> and then I was in a wheelchair. And then I couldn't walk. <laughs> That's what my back started doing. <laughs> and then I had to take an Uber home from the gym because I couldn't walk. Like that's what my back did because somebody took my flipping template. I swear on my life, that is my life. So if anybody out there listens to me and you give a crap about what I have to say, I don't talk a lot of sense. I usually ramble. This is the whole point of the show. Agostino rambles about this is the whole premise of the show. It's me rambling. So if there is something something I should say that's kind of clear, that is it. Don't let anybody take your place, okay? Similar to like an interview, like Joe Rogan in the UFC, when he's letting people interview him in the ring, right? One of the cardinal sins you're not meant to do as an interview, which I only found out because Rogan had the UFC. You're never meant to let someone take the mic off you. But I think he allowed it once for Israel and a few other people here and there. But usually you should always hold the mic because you're always in control of the interview. And I think it's the same thing in the gym. Always be in control of your plates. Always. 
anyways big up everybody tuning in live if you're watching this live i appreciate every single one of you in the chat smash that like for me of course you know the standard youtube stuff everybody in the chat now i appreciate you for hanging in there live with me it's much appreciated big up severa design who asked me should have wore your thick boy gear yeah 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 imagine me pulling up to a gym wearing thick boy if if there's one person in this world that you should know who has no kind of pride or who takes no satisfaction in being a bigger dude, it's me. I hate it because I'm into fashion. I like wearing clothes. And most of the clothes I like wearing are from very highfalutin European brands. And they don't cut, you know, stuff for like guys who are 36 waist up. They like they like you to be slavet. They want, they want you to be lean and thin. So I've been indoctrinated to believe that the European flipping standards of beauty and fitness are the top, top pinnacle level of what a guy should look like. So if there's one guy who doesn't want to be big, it's me. Even though my body, when I do put it under severe strains of weight, I put on muscle and like pounds and volume very easily. So I find it very difficult body-wise, like my shape kind of takes on muscle a lot easier. Like my shoulders fill out, my arms get big and shit. Like my arms are super massive right now. Like it, I, I hate that. So I have to work to kind of get that down. Like my ass is looking like fucking Serena's. Yeah, I mean, I'm pulling a fucking Megan Thee Stallion right now when I'm running out in the street. I see my ass looking twerking in the fucking window as I'm running past the shots. I'm thinking, God damn. I mean, I look like fucking, I look like bloody Ned Flanders in The Simpsons. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. You know what I mean? When Homer had that little, um, pic, when he was picturing what Ned Flanders would look like in a ski suit. That's what I look like. like my little bum. I got like, when I'm running down the street, I look at like those girls that wear those Amazon leggings. I mean, my, my flipping my cheeks is just like, you know what I mean, they're just, they're just doing da, 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 da. <laughs> so I want to get rid of that. I don't want that. I don't want that, man. I don't want that wagon. I want to get rid of my wagon. But yeah, big up, big up, big up, big up, Uche. Yeah, Uche, no, I cycle outdoors. Funny you should ask that. I actually got, um, what did I get here? Oh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, I recently got, I don't have it here, but yeah, I cycle outdoors, Uche. I've got a, I've got a little fixed gear bike that I've been riding all the time. So usually I do a pretty decent mileage, you know. I kind of do a little six miler. So recently... It's a bit of a mad one because there's this place in London called uh, uh, Brick Lane Bagels. Brick Lane Bagels. There's this bagel shop in Brick Lane, which is a very um, cool place over here in London where they do some really nice, 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 nice bagels and shit. And sometimes if I want to have a cheat day, I'll cycle from where I'm at all the way until where the bagel shop is. And the bagel shop is like six mile ride back and forth and stuff and i've done that a couple of times it's been pretty nice so it's kind of a good way to kind of like you know punish myself because i'm a glutton for punishment and i love a good reward so if i really do want to have a pig out day and have some carbs and some go a bit crazy with some bagels filled with flipping tuna mayo and sweet corn and a flipping um salmon and cream cheese flipping bagel mm -mm. if i want that niceness i have to jump on my fixed gear bike and ride all the way to this flipping place um in brick lane and pick up a flipping um bagel and it's been pretty decent i'm not gonna lie the the journey is kind of brutal i'm not going to lie also but i do kind of like you know cycling all the way there you can kind of see a little bit of the cycle here on my flipping phone on my Strava that kind of shows me going across the city to pick up this bagel like I'm a flipping long distance delivery rider but I've really really enjoyed that cycling cycling's been really good but my number one love is always running but 
because of the pandemic, I kind of got into flipping, going to the gym more than running. I guess because the gyms were closed for so long, when the gyms finally opened up, I was like, oh my God, I have to go gym, I have to go gym, I have to go gym. So I kind of switched running for the gym. And now it's been really hard to get back outside and run. Like now I get why a lot of these guys that go gym and have like really skinny legs and big upper bodies, because going to gym, even though it's hard, it's way easier than running. Running is so difficult. And at the, you know, at the peak that I was running, I was doing easily between like 15 to 25 miles a week. So I was running at least three times, four times a week. I'd have a long run on Sundays like most runners do. I was doing races every other month or so. I did Barcelona half marathon. I did a half marathon in Bristol. I did a half marathon in London, Hackney half. Um, I did a Westminster mile. I did a Berlin half marathon. Like I've, I've done quite a few of these things. Right? And I actually do them a lot. And I actually meant to do one in Copenhagen, actually, which I need to kind of get back on. So I'll be training and then having the races as being my kind of thing to do at the end of the time. But running is one of those things where if you stop doing it, what, to get back on it is very difficult. It really is. I really do um, tell you this is honestly hard, especially if you're carrying a little bit of extra weight that I am. Like with this extra muscle and fat that I've now have, when I go and run outside, I can feel it. Like it takes a while to kind of get back into my stride, but I can feel that extra flipping weight that I'm kind of carrying. But, you know, in order for me to become lean, that usually is the best option to kind of marry the two things up to do like, you know, weights and whatever. I wish I was, there are some guys out there who can lose weight by just working out and doing like weights and stuff. I wish I was that guy. I really do wish I was that guy. It's like the same guys who are out there who can eat pasta and bread and shit and be super skinny, but I can't. I, I eat that stuff. It goes to my cheeks. It goes to my forehead. It goes to my bum. Do you know what I mean? It's going there straight away. There's no way this ain't going. You're seeing the results of that flipping bread and that flipping rice and shit. Even though I don't eat a lot of that stuff, but all that stuff is going to me. Um, so the only thing I can do is obviously run to kind of get that stuff off. And at the moment, I'm mixing up and stuff. And it would be easier if I was working in a place that would like, now I'm doing a lot of like flipping part-time work here and there, right? Um, mostly like online stuff, like social media and all that malarkey and customer service marketing all that shit that i've got experience in but what i found really helpful that i kind of took for granted was a commute to work i think a lot of people are the same i think that commute to work honestly it really kind of stressed you out or just no work overall like going to a physical location we had to go and work was really important for me to kind of look the best that I did in my life. I swear to God, it's going to happen again this summer. I'm going to be looking for absolutely fleek. You're going to see it happening in real time. Speaks up into action. I'm putting it into action. But those times where I was a flipping 32 waist back in the retail days or office days, why was that the case? Because guess what? I was working Monday to Friday in an office, in a shop, wherever I was working. And I had essentially you know, if you, if you count a work day, that's maybe eight hours that you're working. Um, either side of that, there's a hour commute. So that basically equals up to 10 hours. So 10 hours out of the 24 of your day is already allocated to work. That doesn't include sleeping, showering, shitting, pissing, going out with your friends and stuff. It doesn't include that. Already 10 hours is gone. And for someone like my, someone like me who kind of, you know, it's kind of time selfish and likes to do my own thing and stuff. I really wanted to make sure that I kind of made the most out of the time I had before work and after work. So I'd be training in the morning. Then if I'd go to work, I may train again in the evening or sometimes like a psycho, I would work out in the morning, go to the gym, go to work and then take my running gear with me. And then I'd run home 
on the flipping on the way home and stuff which is wild because usually i've always lived in the same area and wherever i work is usually kind of in the center of london and i kind of live way outside of that so i'm having to run like you know f five miles plus back home and stuff but that stuff like you know three times a week at least on top of riding a bike on top of skating all the time on top of you know whatever i was doing running around town that all adds up but now i think in this post-pandemic world we're all living in this kind of we're all kind of freelancers in a way everyone's a freelancer everyone's kind of either you know working because i got you know i got some friends who are doing the whole like you know delivery stuff they're working for amazon they're doing you know uber eats they're doing flipping deliveroo so that stuff is basically freelance because you make your own hours you got people working from home on a laptop like i am you got do people doing part-time at bars and stuff so people's need to be in a physical boom location um at one point or going to somewhere isn't really there so i feel like for me my discipline has kind of waned it's kind of gone on the bad side even though i've got quite good self-discipline i think i've got decent willpower i think i'm quite driven because of those guardrails i had in terms of work that was kind of you know it was there and because i you know i wanted money so i sacrificed my time it kind of made me really use the time i had available really well because i knew okay cool you've got 10 hours out of the day that's already taken away from work you can't take that back now you have to do something before and after work and then that's what kind of made it make sense. And that's also maybe the reason why I kind of got a little bit crazy with the partying and going out a little bit too much and kind of not really doing what I was meant to be doing because I had too much free time. I think even beforehand, even though I was partying a lot too, I was working a lot too because I had to kind of keep the balance. And, you know, you had responsibilities. You had to go to work on Mondays. You couldn't call in sick and shit. That wasn't a thing. You know, nowadays people are calling in sick. They're taking mental health days. Like, it's crazy. The whole work, whole world, work life has changed and shifted. But one thing I want to point out that I really found it interesting is this thing, right? I've had a couple of places that I've applied for. And I wonder what I really, I really want to ask this an, uh, out loud, like, or aloud. I've had these places I've applied for, like, do little part time stuff, you know, little customer service things here and there. Um, and like online mostly, whatever it may be. And a lot of these places will be like, hey, answer this question. Like, do like a, a kind of like, um, like a, yeah, answer a question, like, as if our customer was inquiring about something. You have to answer, like, how you would think they would want it to be answered or something. And there's maybe three free questions you have to answer. Then, of course, there's the flipping dumb answer about why do you want to come and work for us? And you're like, you, want, you just want to write there, like, I need money. I want to buy Supreme, <laughs> you know, like you just want to write there. I want to buy Supreme. I want to buy some cool trainers. I want to pay for my flights to Berlin, whatever it may be. You just want to write an honest answer, but you have to make up some lie because I'm passionate about whatever nonsense. But I'm wondering, what is the, what is the, what is that kind of feeling in the pit of your stomach when somebody asks you a question? No, when somebody asks you to send examples of your work, or to fill in a box or something or a questionnaire. Why do we instinctively as humans, I know I do, go like, nah, fuck that. Why is it? Because it makes sense why they're asking. If it's a role that requires a very spe specific set of skills, it's probably beneficial for them not to waste each other's time and be like, hey, can you actually do the job? Can you uh, show us that you could do the job? Then you go through it and then they can make the decision based on that regard. But why do we, I've known with me, whenever I see those replies back, I'm like, oh, or I'm not wasting my time, quote unquote, working for free or filling in answers just to kind of get an opportunity to get to the next round. And you're like, nah, we're not interested. I'm going to get somebody else. I wonder why that is. 
Maybe it's because there's too many options. Maybe there's a sense of ego there, a sense of pride. You feel like you're being sunned. I don't know what it is, but there's something intrinsic in me. Whenever I get a reply back from a workplace that says, hey, can you, you know, answer these questions? Give us an example of how you would speak to customers or show us what you would do. How how could we improve our social media? Give us a like, brother, brother, come on, man come on i wonder what that's about with humans i really really do wonder why we do that um for myself i just you know i just can't handle it bro i can't you know what i mean i'd rather not fill out those answers and fill out those questions i'd rather just leave it and just kind of keep it moving and try my 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 my, my um try, try my luck somewhere else but i also know the majority of people won't answer it so if you actually answer those questions you might actually get the job because most people will fall off. Like, I'd imagine, like, the number of people that apply for roles where you just have to attach a CV is super high, right? But then the more you start asking questions, the more people drop off. So if you just keep answering them towards the end, you may be one of the last ones standing and you just might get it because you're just the only one available and they need someone, a body to fill. Who knows? I don't know, man. Yeah, exactly. Aria and privilege. Give me job. I want to buy me drugs. Give me job. I want to go out. Give me job. I want to go cinema. Give me job. I want girlfriend. I want boyfriend. <laughs> Give me job. I need haircut. <laughs> Yo, honestly, that's it. Give me job. Give me job. I need to uncrust my crusty toes. But yeah, big up everybody in the stream chat. I appreciate every single one of you. This is amazing. Um, oh, quick on before we progress to the show. Can can we please make sure if you're a fan of what I do and you want to check out some of my stuff or just check out some of my stuff, not if you're a fan of what I'm doing, I'm giving you an instruction. Go to my website. I have a, a couple of new pictures that I've uploaded on there recently. So if you would, if you would do me the pleasure and taking a look, that would be greatly, greatly, greatly appreciated. My website is, a, you know, URL standard, you know what it's going to be, um, www.agostinozinga.com. So please check that out if you haven't already. Let me get rid of this chat box here. So please check that out if you haven't already. Um, it's got all of my stuff on there that if you want to see the stuff that I kind of get up to and whatnot, I've got a couple of new pictures in terms of photography that I've done under the photography tab. So just scroll, you'll find some nice little bits and bobs of moi back in the day, nicely composed and whatnot, epic 35 millimeter photography there from your boy. And I'm sure some of you, if you've been to Bali would recognize some of these locations also, and some other bits and bobs there as well, with Manchura as well please check it out if you haven't my photography available on my website which is agassinozinga.com forward slash photography you can find some of those beauties over there i actually love this picture i took back in the day i actually love this with this lovely lady here in the foreground and then i feel love back there in the background that looks amazing and of course you got there three generations of zinga as well big up the bros but yeah if you haven't checked it out please do um it's available now um on my site it's all there check it out it's there it's there for you if you are that way inclined that way inclined 
moving on from that one, um, I quickly want to mention this, and this is a really big one, and I want to say um, speedy recovery to this young man. This is regarding this tragic story, which I'm sure a lot of you have probably seen in your timeline and stuff. Um, it's just popped up on mine. It's regarding this kid called Ralph Yarl. Um, Andrew Lesser accused of shooting black teen turned himself in. Um, get well soon to Ralph Yarl. I just learned through this article and a few other pieces that he just returned home and left the hospital. Um, so I'm hoping that he gets a speedy recovery and you know he's there again for his family in any capacity whatsoever this is such a tragic 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 story but i'll read it here for you it says an 85 year old man in the u.s state of missouri has turned himself in to police after shooting a teenager who mistakenly rang his doorbell andrew lester was bailed after being charged with first degree assault and armed action both felonies the white homeowner allegedly shot ralph 16 who's black once in the head and once in the arm the boy survived and doctors say they have no idea how legitimately this kid got shot in the head and the arm and somehow survived um probably he has to thank the lord mighty that it was an 85 year old you know dude who clearly is kind of frail and maybe not in the right mental state to basically pick up a gun and aim and shoot that probably was it or he just had you know god's flipping protection over him or whoever else you may believe in so speed recovery to ralph it says prosecutors said that there was a critical component to the shooting Mr. Lester has not been charged with a hate crime and charging document do not describe any alleged racist bias. Of course it doesn't. He was released on Tuesday evening after posting a 10% of his 200,000 uh, bail amount. Those are his parents there. Um, it says the teenager told authorities he had mistakenly approached Mr. Lester's home last Thursday night to pick up his younger twin brothers driving to Northeast um, 115th Street instead of Northeast 115th Terrace, which is one block away. After Ralph rang the doorbell, Mr. Lester shot him twice, once in the forehead and once in the arm. No words were exchanged before the homeowner opened fire with the 32 revolver, prosecutor says. Mr. Lester was not the was not denied shooting the boy, telling authorities he believed um, he was protecting himself from confrontation. Prosecutors have said that Ralph did not cross the threshold of Mr. Lester's home. So this kid was what? Either outside on the door down on the porch but he was nowhere near like you know where you would deem it to be a threat and he still shot him crazy man absolutely crazy um police initially detained miss lesser for questioning and released him without charges sparking protest again like what do these police people what do these officers do how can you arrest somebody for this sort of crime and then release them like on Monday, prosecutor Zachary Thompson announced Mr. Lester had been charged with first-degree assault and armed criminal action. If convicted, he could face life in prison. Bloody hell, man. What an absolute idiot. Instead of just saying, hey, who's at the door? Or just, you know, basically telling him to go away because it's got the wrong person, they decide to just pull out the gun and shoot. My issue with this, as per usual, is that sometimes in life it can be so disconcerting because you read these information these bits and pieces and you know the reason why this happened to this kid is because he was black essentially this guy's got some sort of fear system in his heart that means that despite the statistics saying that most likely he's probably gonna die at the hands of somebody that looks like him in terms of you know looks and in terms of skin color as opposed to somebody that looks like myself he still walks around this earth thinking that black people are somehow monsters and beasts and animals who at every corner could end his life in an instance when like i said the statistics out there would illustrate that he's most likely going to get killed if that was the case by somebody that looks like him aka a caucasian white man but for some reason he walks around thinking we're the enemy 
And in this case as well, considering it was a young kid, considering what the kid looks like and whatnot, there needs to be a degree of accountability because I think somebody could sit here and argue and say, hey, if he's an older dude, he can't take any chances and think this kid is well-intentioned. He could think maybe this kid is like, um, you know when people do like uh, house robberies and they have somebody pull up who looks innocent and then you open the door and then the gang rolls in afterwards. That could be one of those two type of things. You could think that. But in this case, there needs to be some level of personal accountability because I think after some conversation, you should be able to probably be suss out if as an 84-year-old, if the kid that's knocking on your door is a stick-up kid or if he genuinely, genuinely is there looking for his siblings or if he's trying to give you a flipping pamphlet for his local church, he's trying to sell you some bloody cookies, whatever. You should be able to judge within a couple of seconds if you're an older dude and you've been around long enough, you should be able to judge who's a bad kid, who isn't a bad kid. You should be able to. You shouldn't be coming out busting your gun as the first thing. It's absolutely insane. It reminds me a little bit of that um, South African um what's his name that south african um, runner without the legs the guy who's got the prosthetics and he was charged of flipping killing his girlfriend he had the same sort of thing he alleged that oh he, you know he heard his girlfriend coming in or no he assumed the person trying to come into his house was a burglar and then when it entered his room he didn't say a word and just started busting and then of course he ended up killing his flipping um, wife and then it transpired you know during the flipping court proceedings that he'd been trying to divorce her for a long time and blah 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 so clearly it was premeditated and he took his opportunity then to do it and at that time nobody believed that flipping guy either yeah oscar pastorius no one believed him so i don't think anyone to shit, sit here and give this old dude the benefit of doubt that he thought oh this kid was there to rob him now nah, you should be asking questions a kid come knocks on your door shout through the door my parents used to do that all the time my mom my parents used to hate answering the door they'd always be shouting through it and even when we were inside the house my mom would do that so the fact that this guy couldn't do that was absolutely heinous and it's just another reminder of how incredibly difficult it is to navigate this world being a black person especially being a black man it's just one of those things you kind of have to always have in the back of your mind and it kind of not to kind of throw parallels because it doesn't make any sort of sense at all but that's why sometimes you see stuff like happening to jonathan majors and what's happening to him and you're just disappointed you're like you know what when you're a black dude and you get put in position you have to really really be careful of how you move and you have to also be aware that there are plenty of people out there looking to bring you down in any way shape or form and any opportunity you give them to do so they will take it but i just think in some cases when you're a kid when you're how old is this kid when you're a flipping 16 year old kid you shouldn't really be walking around fearing for your life at every occasion or basically having your head in a swivel you should be trying to navigate through life pretty carefree like every other 16 year old who isn't black and um, would do but when you are black you kind of have to have it in the back of your mind walking behind a, walking behind women going to, into stores on your own with your hood up you know walking in certain neighborhoods people are just going to look at you differently it's a really unfortunate part of life but it really does happen often like i can't count legitimately this might sound funny but i'm not trying to be funny i can't count the amount of times that i've walked behind women or i've run behind them running sometimes and they've screamed i can't count it's really beyond uh, a num it's beyond a any sort of a number that i can imagine right now of the instances that i've had where i've been running down the street walking down the street a woman hasn't been paying attention and then she suddenly realizes i've made a mouth sound or she hears my feet 
and then turns around and screams. It happens so often that you don't take it personally anymore. You don't be, you don't, you're not offended anymore. You know, you don't feel anything. You just keep it moving. Usually I've got headphones on anyway. So whatever, sorry, whatever thing they say, I don't even hear it. And I just keep it moving. But it happens all the time. Like, and I'm sure most of it has to do with, you know, women are smaller and frailer and there's more opportunity for them to get, you know, snatched and abused and they can't have the benefit of doubt. But I swear to God, man, it happens all the time. Especially if I look like this, especially if I'm in my album mode, right? Album mode Agostino. Especially I'm in album mode Agostino with the beard and the hair the way it is. Then honestly, the running that I see, especially when I'm out running, because I don't notice how flipping hard I'm flipping running and my feet are stomping on the ground and I'm <laughs> I'm like flipping black wings of redemption running down the street, carrying all this extra flub. <laughs> And then the woman behind me, like in front of me, carrying a flipping shopping, going home, turns around and sees me, like, you know, running. Ah! I'm like, relax, man. I'm trying to flipping get my fucking mile run under seven minutes. I'm trying to aim for, you know, seven minutes 50 or something, or I'm trying to get it under seven minutes. I'm trying to get it under eight minutes. I'm not running after you, you flipping lunatic. I'm not going to just fucking snatch your H&M bag. Relax, Dorothy. Chill out, all right? I don't want your fucking baguettes. I'll buy my own baguettes, all right? But you're running around. It happens so often. And honestly, it's a thing you have to kind of keep in the back of your mind. Like, I've done it so often, especially um, being, you know, the way that, looking the way that I look. You have a woman in front of you. She's walking to go to somewhere. I don't know, a block of flats, wherever it may be. And I'll let them walk in front of me. I'll literally let them walk in front of me. I'll literally stand there, let them walk in front of me. I'll grab my phone. I'll check it let them walk up the stairs and then I'll kind of go after because I don't want to be right behind them because sometimes you have girls do this thing where like you'll be a woman you're behind you're coming you know you're walking in the same building you're walking the same way and they'll stop and let you walk in front which is probably more offensive than screaming I'm not gonna lie <laughs> that's more offensive than screaming like stopping and like going yeah no you go and let me walk in front that's like raw what do you think i'm gonna do lift your fucking skirt up like kick you in the ass like try and fucking knee you or something it's not that serious like just walk i don't know i'm not even paying attention to you i'm literally not <laughs> but honestly it happens so often so you just have to kind of like not not you know not take it personally understand that it's coming from a self-preservation point of view and it kind of is what it is you know you, you speak to enough women out there you hear some crazy stories about how they flip in um get to feel i think i always say often like one of my craziest revelations that i kind of find out about women was that i went to this house party once you know me i like to be the center of attention i'm there holding court i'm throwing out topics at the house party like i'm one of those type of guys right i'm at a house party i'm throwing in would you rathers i'm throwing in conversation piece i'm saying hey do you see that on social media i'm there i'm holding court so i remember holding court talking and we start talking about what we like ordering on flipping delivery apps and shit and then one girl's like, oh man, I wish I could do that. I haven't ordered a delivery app in ages. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, there's many, there's loads of delivery apps. Why wouldn't you order food? And she's like, oh, I live by myself. So I never order, I never order in when I'm eating by myself. I only order in if like my friends come over. I'm like, what? And I ask all the girls in the room. Hold on. Do all the girls in here that live on their own, you never order um, delivery like a pizza to your house if you're by yourself? They're like, no, because I'm afraid what may happen. Like, and then, and then some other girls in the room, right? They were asking, they were like, oh, no, when I do order at home, if I'm really hungry, I'll sometimes order like two meals to make it seem like somebody else is in the house. I'm like, no way. 
So yeah, I order two medium pizzas and get two drinks and two sides just so it looks like someone else is in there. I'm like, fuck. So if that's the case and you're a woman and you have to navigate through life like that and then you hear me, my big beastly self running behind you, jogging, <sighs> I kind of get it. I get it while you're scared. I get why you scream because you shouldn't give me the benefit of the doubt. You don't know me, right? I could be fucking anybody exactly. So, you know, I understand the, the, the flipping fear and the flipping um, self-preservation side of it. And it is what it is. I don't take it personally in the slightest. So big up my women's out there. Big up my women's. Uh, moving on from that one. Moving on. I quickly want to mention this. And I want to mention this only because I don't usually try like to cover comedy stuff on the Agassino Zynga show. Because I like to keep it separate for the random show. But we're going to cover this just to kind of give it a slight little tinkle. Slight little tinkle, right? Slight little tinkle. What do you guys think about this? For me personally, I feel like the American dream. And I feel like the American dream is like all encompassing and it's also without borders. It's not only, def it's not only kind of defined, it's not only, um, specific to America. I think most people have an idealized version, have a version of the American dream for themselves, right? White picket fence, dog, you know, wife, partner, whatever it may be, right? Kids, whatever. Cool, right? But I think the advanced version of the American dream nowadays is how much can I get out of life? with doing the without doing much so basically i want the most out of life by doing the bare minimum that i think should be the american dream and also the american dream should be i don't want to get better i don't want to you know have to improve myself or you know study and read and become intellectual just so i can kind of put food on the table you know live a somewhat comfortable life whatever it may be i just want to be who i want to be right now in this moment but then also have all the luxuries and privileges in life that kind of life can afford me that's what i'd want that's what i'd think the american dream is in my opinion but there are some people like brendan shaw who somehow has a weird way that he's navigated for it because this to me this example of this clip i'm going to play here is a legit funny clip because i don't know if he's joking and I don't know if he's being serious, but if he's being serious, if he's being serious, he might be the dumbest person to ever walk the face of this earth. But he's also a multimillionaire. But there's also a little hint, I feel like, in him where he wants to try and prove that he's smarter than what he is. So my question is, if you're Brendan Shaw and you're as dumb as he is, but you allegedly have two degrees, but you're also a multimillionaire. And despite everybody thinking you're a piece of shit and you're a douchebag and you're a bully and you're a cheater and you're a liar, and ah, all these labels, you still persevere. You're still somewhat successful. You still have a fan base. You still do what you want to do when you want to do it, which in my opinion is its own form of luxury. Why would you be trying to prove to people that you're smart or that you know what you're talking about? Why bother? Why bother? Why bother try and prove that you're smart or you know what you're talking about when you don't know what you're talking about and life has rewarded you? And this is a prime example of it. Please tell me in the chat, is Brendan Shaw joking or is he serious? What do you think? What do you think? Right? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. 
Wait, I just remembered what I wanted. Read the recap. Brian sent a text. Oh, oh, here's, here's, hey, here's what's cool. Like, Did you see Ethan Hawke when uh, Steve Col- Colbert asked? He goes, Ethan Hawke, what happens when we die? It's his question. It was a yeah. question. He goes, what happens when we die? Bring up Ethan Hawke's answer. It's pretty cool. It was awesome. I, re- I uh, Yeah, I definitely saw it. I fucking love it. Do you it. do it in the robot voice? No, it's, 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 it's like you go, Ethan Hawke. Did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said? Brian Callen brings up a clip that went semi-viral of Ethan Hawke and Stephen Colbert giving some, you know, esoteric nonsense, you know, empty speak actor answer to the whole meaning of life thing on the spot, allegedly on the spot, clearly rehearsed. But everyone's kind of creaming their pants over it because Ethan Hawke is a pretty charismatic and a, you know, funny dude. My best kind of, my favorite cultural moment of Ethan Hawke is that clip, is that picture of him sitting courtside at an NBA match. And I think the story goes that he's sitting there and I think his son, um, you know, has a seat that's next to Rihanna. And then uh, I think this is Rihanna, like, you know, umbrella time, like, you know, umbrella, you know, Rihanna's out there in the street. She's looking amazing. She's just coming out every flipping big cultural sporting event, looking crazy good and whatnot. She still looks great now, but, you know, Rihanna at our flipping peak peak. And his son's sitting next to Rihanna and he asks his son to swap seats so he can start spitting game to Rihanna. That's my favorite flipping Ethan Hulk moment culturally, like this flipping amazing. Anyway, he's a legend, really good actor, seems like a cool dude. They bring him up, they make this point. Oh, do you see that clip about Ethan Hawke? Brennan Schaub turns to Brian Callan and says, did he do it in that robot voice? He thought they meant Stephen Hawking's. When he said Ethan Hawke, he thought Stephen Hawking's, who's died many years ago, I think now, maybe 2018 or something. He's been dead a, a, a pretty long time, a long enough time that you shouldn't be thinking he's on still with Stephen Colbert last week. RIP Stephen Hawking's. And he said, Stephen Hawk, did he do it in a robot voice? Is he being serious? Or is he joking? What do you think in the stream chat, please? And I'll play it one more time. Because I'm, I'm still not sure. I want to zoom into his face and see if he like smiles and does that thing that Brendan does where he kind of laughs at himself like, <laughs> I'm so funny. Let's see. Are we winning? Who did the We're, leak? I mean. Did you see that thing I sent to, their, to our group chat? Yeah. Tell the people what you said. Right? Yeah. It was pretty interesting. Wait, I just remembered what I wanted. Read the recap. Brian sent a text. Oh, oh here's, here's, hey, here's what's cool. Like, did you see Ethan Hawke when... Uh, Steve Colbert asked, he goes, Ethan Hawke, what happens when we die? It's his question. It's a question. He goes, what happens when we die? Bring up Ethan Hawke's answer. It's pretty cool. It was awesome. I I, uh, Yeah, I definitely saw it. I fucking love it. Do you do it in the robot voice? No, it's it's, it's, it's like... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What are people saying in the stream chat? What do you think? Is he serious? Smock said 100% he's being serious. He literally has no idea. Charles Lucas, LOL. Some guy, 1 million percent he's being serious. Net runner, Brenda. Uh, Chris Mack, he's lying. Uh, Brendan, professional comedian, professional comedian. Ariane Privilege, hilarious. Everyone knows Stephen Hawking was putting on that phony robot voice to be posh. <laughs> I love it. I am Sin, CTE, smack. I knew it. He was dead serious. Uche, serious. Uh, Charles, Luke, every, okay, you all, okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one. If that's the case, if we all think he's being serious, yeah, big up Piotr, big up, big up. Um, 
if we seriously redacted, if we think he's being serious, right? And I think he's being serious too, because you see he's trying to follow, follow the flow of the conversation. You see Brendan always gets a little bit, when he feels a little bit inadequate and he feels like the conversation is passing him by, he'll start doing the left-right like tennis type of thing, because obviously he's in the middle. He has to be the number one. I'm the boss. I'm the leader. I'm in the middle of the flipping show, blah, 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 which is weird. It really should be, not, not that this matters, but if you're going to do a podcast and you're going to have three people sitting down, facing the camera, I think... To kind of make the show fresh, you should maybe switch where the quote-unquote lead, the A-mic sits, based on the guest. So if, if you maybe have a better connection with the guest, maybe sit next to them because you can kind of, you know, joke about more. And then the same goes for the, for the other way around. Like, in this case, maybe Jay Larson and flipping Brian Callen get along better. Maybe this time have Brian sit in the middle. But Brendan has this little obsession and kind of thing about being always the guy in the middle and I'm the guy, I'm the boss, so it kind of is what it is. But he really was serious in this clip. He legitimately thought Ethan Hawking was flipping... Um, Ethan Hawke, sorry, Ethan Hawking. So even I'm getting it wrong. He thought Ethan Hawke was Stephen Hawking. Can you believe that? And I'm thinking that myself, I'm saying the American dream should be getting away with being completely redacted, but also making tons of money in the process. If that's the case, why are you bothered about looking dumb and just saying, hey, who's Ethan Hawke? Who's that again? Is that the robot voice guy? And they would have said, no, Brian, ha ha, it's actually Ethan Hawke. But because he pays everyone's bills, everyone's scared to say anything. No one wants to correct him. So they all kind of sit there silent and just kind of hope that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't Chris Benoit the entire room. But if it was me, hey, big up glass. Big up for the 499 Super Chat. Thanks, folded hands, for all the cool content, man. You know how we run. You know how we rule. Thanks for being here, Glass, because without people like you and without the rest of the stream chat, I would be no one. I would still be somebody, clearly, because I can talk myself to sleep in an empty room. But it, it helps to have some viewers. But anyway, back to the show. Thank you for the super chat, my friend. Um, I still think, on my, on my life, I still think, I swear to God, I still think that it's actually quite amazing and pretty cool and you should be kind of proud if you're Brendan and you've basically, you know, figured life out monetarily wise to get to this level, but you're legitimately like double digit IQ, maybe single digit IQ. That should actually be a point of pride. You shouldn't be trying to prove that you know stuff because that's what he did there by like saying, oh, do you say this robot voice, right? By like saying it that way because he tried to prove that he knows who Stephen Hawking is. But actually he kind of messed it up and thought that was Ethan Whatever. Don't do that. Just enjoy being dumb. Kind of like, kind of, you know, um, what's that word called? Bask in it. Soak in it. And just live your life because, you know, we're not all meant to be fucking Stephen Hawking, right? We're all not meant to be super smart. Some of us are meant to be redacted and also get the most out of life because other redacted people can look at you and say, hey, he did it, right? That's what it should be like. It's kind of like, this is a bad example, but it's kind of similar to like, um, it's kind of similar to like, it's kind of similar when they send sports teams to like children's hospitals and shit. They kind of do them to kind of give the kids, you know, um, a nice time and give them something, you know, to kind of make them happy and stuff, especially if they go through crazy, you know, life debilitating, flipping illnesses and ailments and stuff and awful things that kids should never have, you know, horrible, get well soon, all those kids in children's hospitals. But usually they do them as a weird motivator for the athletes. Like, hey man, you're 19 years old, you get paid a meal a week. 
you're taking the shit for granted. Hey, go to children's hospitals, see what life is actually like on the other side of the tracks. You were lucky you were born with the way you are, the genes that you have, the family that you're in, blah, blah, blah. Now, you know, go see these kids, feel sorry about yourself, and then get out on this pitch and go run. Go and score some goals. Go and flipping, you know, drop some buckets or whatever they call it in fucking basketball. That's what they kind of do. And I think Brendan has that kind of same um, capacity he serves in culture. People look at him and think, rah, man, if he's that redacted and he's able to get this far, then I can too. That's what it should be like. And you should take pride in that. You should feel like, yes, I did it. Despite being redacted, despite being double-digit IQ, I smashed it. That should be a point of pride. Instead of sitting there trying to like act like you know who the guy is and then make yourself even look even dumber. Personally. But again, maybe I'm the redacted one. Maybe I'm the redacted one. Moving on from that one, let's talk about more redacted news or kind of redacted news. There's this clip from this podcast I listen to called How Long Gone. One of my favorite podcasts out there. It's a very niche podcast. It kind of operates maybe in the same sort of area that I operate in, in terms of cultural commentary, but it's hosted by two white guys, Chris Black and Jason Stewart. So they have a very, you know, different perspective on life and they love indie bands. They, they say rap music is a bit rusty and, you know, whatever, you know, they have different taste in my eyes but a lot of the cultural things they speak about i like and i'm a fan of and interview some good people when they you know they sometimes have a tendency to interview too many conde nas people and media elites that gets a bit boring but when they interview actual people who are working and you know living life and whatever it may be they make for some very interesting interviews the recent interview that they have here with this photographer called jason nosito and if you don't know who jason nosito is he had a um I kind of know his work briefly from like the early era of like Vice. If you remember, there was a, a particular style of photography in that Vice era, Terry Richardson era, where it was kind of like direct sort of like flash to the face. Um, there wasn't a lot of touching up. It was kind of like documentary style of photography. I may have actually have an old Vice somewhere here. So I have a, yeah, so yeah. So kind of like maybe kind of this era of Vice, right? Where they had really cool pictures and shit. Um, and it was all kind of weird documentary uh, style of pictures and scene reports. Anyway, Jason Nosito is really cool. Check him out, right? Anyway, he gives an interview with them, How Long Gone, and I'm going to play this clip for you because I think this is absolutely hilarious. And I think this clip basically, um, for me, illustrates why I think it's somehow really important in a weird way to maybe grow up with a, in, in a family where you're kind of allowed to do what you want. You're kind of a latchkey kid. You can kind of drink early, do drugs early, because I think it obviously can go two paths. You can end up being like a lifelong drug or drink, you know, drug and alcohol addict, or you can go another path and you get that stuff out of your system very early on so that when you become old and you become a parent or you just, you know, maybe you're instilling some wisdom into some other young people, you can kind of speak from a point of knowledge and you can also approach it from a very chill, laissez-faire, relaxed point of view. You're not like all tight about it and, oh my God, I don't, can't believe you did that. You're like, no, you know, I smoked this, I did that, I did whatever back then. I know how it feels, but actually it's not the coolest thing to do. After a while, it kind of gets boring. You can kind of address it from a really informed point of view and the kids would kind of get it. But I do think there's something about being born that way or being brought up that way. And this guy has a ridiculous upbringing, ridiculous upbringing. Here when he started, here when he started taking drugs, this is legitimately blew my mind. I've never heard. And again, I listen to Joey Diaz and stuff, right? And he has some very crazy stories. And this guy sounds even crazier. 
So this is Jason Nosito on the How Long Gone podcast. This is episode number um, 483. Hear this. Now, were, you, were, you ever, were you ever straight edge? Oh, or yeah. No? I was straight edge from 13 to 16, you know? And, like, mm -hmm. before that wasn't straight edge, I got high really young. You know, like, I started using when I was, like, nine years old. Nine years? Nine years old? Started using what? Ninja Turtles? Yeah. yeah I had... <laughs> I had a kind of strange upbringing. Uh, I have like my like my dad had nine kids in the end, and like maybe ten. Okay. You know, we don't know. <laughs> and then, uh -huh. um, but you know, I grew up in sort of a feral situ. You know, like mm -hmm. kind of okay. And my mom worked at a bar, so it was a little bit like there was that kind of situation. Everything going was on. everything was available. Everything was available. Exactly, to you. everything was available, and like, um, and I just landed on you know something early and then by the time i was like 13 i had probably i had probably i had gotten kicked out of middle school and like to put into this crazy publicly funded school that who was the guy who was running the school had embezzled all the money he was embezzling all the money so you up to the school and there was like anyway you get the gist right he started taking drugs at nine years old he became straight edge when he was a teenager <laughs> don't get me wrong Taking drugs and doing and and drinking alcohol at nine is a bit excessive, but I do remember when I was growing up, especially in the scene. There was a couple people. I wish I remember her name, and it, it escapes me now. But she's very successful. There's this girl that we met in the scene who came about pretty. She was kind of new in the scene when I kind of was kind of you know involved and whatnot. And let's say we were twenty one, twenty two. Then she came around and she probably was between the ages of like 15 and 17 or 18 and i remember when she came about she had a very kind of like mature and grown up you know vibe about her and clearly because you know guys kind of liked her also because she looked mature also more than their age a lot of guys were trying to hook up with her even though she was you know between the ages of 15 and, and flipping 18 i wasn't clearly um so don't get me flipping counsel for that shit but i remember this girl and she was always very very mature very very you know had a kind of head screwed on and she'd party a lot also but just kind of came about it from a very kind of chill point of view then so many years kind of trying you know many years after the fact you look back now She's living in LA with her partner. She kind of is a very successful photographer, I think, or stylist or something in that kind of world. But from what I last heard, she's sober and she's way younger than, well, she's younger than I am, right? And she's completely sober and she probably gave up all that stuff a long time ago. And I think a lot of that came from the fact that, and remember when I spoke to her before, she had parents who like went to Glastonbury went to other music festivals, were basically hippies, and they essentially let her do what she wanted when she was younger. So she got all that freaky, druggy, drinky shit out of her system very early on. And also being a, a, a girl that kind of had to kind of, you know, navigate through life by herself, she also became really adept and, and able and and okay to like hang around because also I remember she was kind of one of the only girls I remember being in the scene who seemed to kind of hang around with guys easily she never really kind of got uncomfortable she knew how to banter she knew how to chill had to turn up whatever just like a chill girl without being overly flipping tomboyish she kind of really knew how to kind of hang and a lot of that I kind of would imagine is basically being on your own having to navigate the streets quote-unquote right figuratively and having to kind of you know make sure you're okay out there 
And when you kind of stumble across my little hipster scene of guys with like white socks on, it's not much of a challenge, really. You know how to kind of, you know, keep this one over there, keep this one here, arm's length, you know, run away from this one. It's a bit easy to do. So I'm kind of wondering if there's actually some benefit to growing up like that, because in my end, I didn't. I had my first, you know, sip of flipping alcohol when I was maybe 23, maybe, right? 23, 22, when I first got involved in the scene, really. And even before that, when I actually was in the scene before, I'd go to these parties and these indie nights and I'd be there in the back drinking my flipping apple juice. Like, I, I wasn't involved at all, right? Because at that time, I kind of was, you know, I kind of grew up in a kind of super strict sort of like Christian household and I, I kind of was believing it myself. So I never really got into the whole drug and drinking thing really until really late. But then I also think I kind of credit drinking and doing drugs really late in life, quote unquote, at like 22 onwards. I kind of also quote, I kind of also credit that with the fact that I'm not a drug and flipping, you know, booze uh, addict now. I think that's the main reason because I've got a very addictive personality. So I think if I would have started earlier, I probably had, would have had more of an addiction. But because I started so late, is, and because I had so many outside interests, I was running a lot, I was playing sports all the time, I was skating, I never really had time to kind of get fucked up all the time. Uh, and especially on top of that, I was also going to church all the time, so there was never a point where I could get fucked up because I had all these obligations. So that made me kind of like, you know, keep on the straight and narrow. But I can't imagine the guy, you know, that because I, I, I thought I was immature at flipping 20. I can't imagine what I would be like at 9, 13, 15, 16. Like, these guys are out here doing that stuff. So, big up Jason Aceto. I think that's another way to flipping live and have some sort of upbringing. But I don't know, man. I think, yeah, even Uche is saying in the chat, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm glad I got all that wild shit out of my system early on instead of late. Exactly. I think there's something to it. There really is something to getting that stuff out of your system early on. Because I feel like I had it. I feel like I had the taste of that debaucherous lifestyle. I had it at the right time. I think if I would have waited longer, like if I would have had my first sip of alcohol, at like 25 or 26 it would have been an issue but because i had it at 22 ish age it was just the right time for me to have my like freak out stages of that like four-year run where i was kind of promoting parties and hanging around in dalston and shoreditch and hackney every single day that was that my little four or five year run and then after that it kind of got boring it kind of got lame and then you kind of got over it um, and that's a basic about it. I think that's kind of important to have as opposed to just living under the strict doctrine that you can't do anything. And then when you do something, you kind of go crazy. I'm not really too sure. I'm not too sure. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. big up Chris Brito. Big up Chris Brito. Big up Chris Brito in the chat. Big up, big up, big up. Nice to see you, my friend. But yeah, anyway, who knows, man? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm saying it wrong. Who knows? Anyway, moving on from that one. Let's talk about this quickly. So, I've made I've made um I've made a couple, you know, comments and whatever it may be about the DJ scene. Oh no, about dance music overall and about some DJs because I'm a fan of it. And I feel like on podcasts in general, you should be trying to speak about things that you know about because that's what I think makes for a brilliant podcast. I think so someone gets in front of a microphone or a camera and starts talking about stuff they don't know nothing about, it usually turns into pretty shitty content pretty quickly. And if I'm going to sit here and be rambling into a microphone for hours on end, I probably should know what I'm talking about. And, you know, I feel like I have some decent insights and knowledges about dance music and whatnot. So I just share them. It's it, right? It's not really that deep, really. It is what it is. But I have noticed, um, depending on who it is I speak about, there's a tendency to either go 
the other like one way of like oh my god thank you for mentioning me all this sort of stuff or the other way to get really angry about it and start sending threatening messages and shit and just being upset and i don't really understand what that's about like and i think it kind of exists in stand-up also so that's where the correlation comes in i want to make this comment i wonder if there is a point i think i'm gonna try it i'm actually gonna trial it and i maybe will upload it on my patreon just to make the patreon flipping worthwhile because my patreon is fucking barren so i'm probably gonna upload it on the patreon i'm wondering in the future if i can try to critically review comedy stand-up specials and dj mixes live streams or what mixes are just released on the labels whatever it may be i may do that because i feel like for some reason even though there's a, a huge group of people out there who enjoy this stuff who listen to it i feel like for some reason the artists who create this stuff the djs or the comedians who do this stuff they don't necessarily anticipate people watching that and think watching their material and thinking oh this could have been improved i didn't like that i did like this i didn't like that because when you do comment on it they get really really annoyed they get their niggas in the twist super hard and and you know i would like to count myself as a creative person when i do my work i just put it out there and it just lives in its own on its own accord i have no control over how it's interpreted how people respond to it it just is what it is and to be honest it's not really important what anyone thinks of it because the moment i'm able to get it out of my brain and onto a piece of paper onto a stream onto a blog onto a sound whatever it may be that's my job done as a sort of like creative conduit then you just put it out into the masses and hope the masses like it or don't but you kind of got your expression out there but for some of these guys and girls they get really butthurt if you make any comment that isn't like praise that isn't you getting on your knees and sucking them off it just turns into like i hate you you're a hater uh send you this message i'm a i'm a, i'm angry about this delete that like just weirdness i don't understand it and maybe it's an ego thing because i do maintain the you know the only biggest e the only bigger ego than a dj and a flipping stand-up comedian is probably a podcaster i know i'm i obviously occupied two of those categories uche you know flipping reminded me of that once before but i honestly do think maybe those two you know areas are probably unique because of the egos involved but fucking hell man honestly some of these people like i'm a i'm a peon i'm a peon some of these clips i'm uploading on my channel get like hundreds of views maybe sometimes in the double digits of views sometimes thousands but i'm literally speaking into fucking deep space no one's paying attention to me i'm small potatoes right i'm tiny chips i'm the chips that you get at kfc in that little small bag not the mcdonald's chips in the nice box right i'm the little kfc chips that's what i am in the little paper bag the small ones Sometimes you might get little three five sticks in there why does it matter if i get on here and say hey your mix was shit hey i went to see you perform at this dj thing or at this club and i didn't like it it was dead it made me bored it made me bored or i watched your stand-up special and it was terrible to me i'm i'm a small guy who cares what I have to say? But somehow they get butthurt. And again, if you're an artist and you're and you're getting paid and you're touring the world and you get opportunity to kind of do a job that many people out there would love to do, but it's it's kind of the most. I think probably stand up and DJing is probably two of the most heavily com heavily congested area to try and make it. 
There is no blueprint. There is no direct route. There is no steps. There is no, nothing. It's all kind of a wayward way to kind of make it. And everyone makes it in their own time. Some people would never make it. You get a chance to make it. You're touring. You're doing amazing. You get paid to book play, play places. Why are you bothered? Why I have to say? Why? Why? Please tell me why. It's really odd. I don't understand this. It's so bizarre. Maybe I don't understand because I'm not at their level. And maybe if you had the you know, interactions that they do, you'd understand how difficult it is and how stressed it causes. All right, whatever. Maybe that's true. But I honestly think I put out enough shit on my own in, of across all different mediums, whether it comes from photography to art to flipping writing to whatever. I've done it all, right? Maybe it hasn't been successful, whatever it may be, but I've done it all. I've received my fair share of positive and negative comments. And it really doesn't matter. If you're actually a true, somewhat creative, sounds corny, but you get what I mean. You just put it out there. The fact that, that your job is just putting it out there. How it's received is not your in your control. But you just put it out there because that's what you're kind of called to do. You put the work out there. If people like it, they like it. If they don't, okay, cool. You just move on to the next. But this whole like, oh, why did you say that? Why did you say that? How dare you? Delete it. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. No, I will not delete it. I don't care what you have to say. I don't. I like that. I didn't like that. Who cares? Who cares? Put something else out that I like. I may like it. I may not. But who cares? You have fucking thousands of people following you all over the fucking country, loving what you're doing. Why does it matter what I fucking say? Come on. I'm sat here sweating. It's not hot in front of fucking Ikea furniture, shouting into a fucking USB microphone. Why should it matter what I fucking say? Wearing fucking Amazon $5 Amazon flipping glasses. And here you are getting annoyed about what I have to say. Who am I? For fuck's sake. Who the fuck am I? God almighty. Grow up. You know who you are. Grow up, man. Grow up. Exactly. It don't matter. We do not matter. Grow up. <sighs> Anyways. Anyways. Moving on. <laughs> oh. Lot, just. Just like. These guys are legitimately one percenters. Legit. One percenters. Especially DJs. You're, you're mostly all overpaid. You're mostly all overpaid. We all, especially in a metropolitan city. In a metropolitan city, if you're within the ages of like 25 to 45, you probably know at least five DJs yourself who are better than DJs who play in these professional clubs. Five. We all know. We all have friends. You know, some guy here, some girl there who are good, who are great. We know them. Are they playing professionally? No, they're not. They work at some dead-end job. They can't get any play or any bookings anywhere. They're hating life, but it is what it is. The cookie didn't crumble in their favor. These people have the privilege of being paid to play in clubs, playing other people's music. Some of them don't even mix well. Technically, they're shit at what they do. They just get paid to play whatever tune they liked on the road and play in a fucking nightclub. And they get they also get the benefit, which people like me don't, that I'm playing in these bars and clubs where I'm basically a human flipping jukebox. They get the benefit of playing in nightclubs where people are high on drugs, drinking and shit. They don't care what you play. They let you play whatever the fuck you want. 
You can go in there and go crazy and be creative and be artistic and have an extended set and do what you want. It's fucking fun. Whereas here I am fucking playing Umbrella by Rihanna in 2023 because somebody asked for it and I have to deliver because guess what? I'm in a service industry. That's what I am. I'm a service industry DJ. And these guys, they get to play in these amazing places. It's, they get flown there. They get Uber X there. They have somebody carrying their luggage. Somebody plugging their USB into the CDJ. Somebody taking the headphones and putting it on their heads, right? Somebody jacking them off to under the desk as they're DJing, probably. And still they complain and they cry. When little old me, little old tiny me, sat in front of Ikea furniture, right? Little old me. With dusty books, say for the IKEA furniture, they get annoyed. Why did you say that? Why did you say that? That was mean. Shut up, man. Shut the fuck up. Grow up. Suck it up. God almighty. So annoying. Delete that. Delete your fucking life. Open the window and step out of it. That's what you should do. Delete that. Delete that. Open the window and step out of it. Do that. Delete the video. How dare you? Anyway. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Honestly, man. I'm playing Umbrella. I'm playing, I'm playing fucking Single Ladies by Destiny's Child. Like, I know these tunes off by heart. I'm playing Hey Ya by fucking Outcast. I'm having to play these tunes in 2023 to DJ to get my little 150 pound that I have to invoice for. I have to invoice for 150. <laughs> I have to wait six weeks to get paid 150 <laughs> to invoice at a bar that I'm DJing at. And I'm having the greatest time because I get to mix some stuff that I don't like, play some stuff that I do like, but at least I get to play in front of people. And I have to invoice for £150. These guys get paid tens of thousands. They get flown there. Hotel stays, groupies, all this stuff. And they get annoyed when I have a comment to make. And it's not even harsh. I'm not even being rude. I'm usually always nice. Oh, why did you say that? Shut up. Grow up. Fucking hell. Hate you, man. <laughs> no, it's not cash. It's that glass. It, I wish it was cash. Some of these places, I have to invoice for £150. Don't get me wrong. I started off playing for 50 So it goes up. So I'm sure when I eventually get to like fucking tens of thousands, I'll be like, oh, I should have wired it to me. But fucking hell. 150 A bar can't take that out of petty cash. <laughs> <laughs> and some of these places they give you like a two drink tokens they want you to pay for four hours they pay you 150 via invoice and they give you two drink tokens <laughs> so you have to pay for your drinks of the day pay for your transport pay for your own food and then you get the money six weeks later <laughs> Oh, I can't believe they complain, honestly. Life down here, life where I'm at is different. I have to carry my own bags. Yeah, big up Chris, brother. Big up, big up. Puns for some boots and I <laughs> Big up Chris Britta. Appreciate you for the five-year super chat. Appreciate you. Honestly, man. Wow. 
I can't believe these people complain. I really can't believe they complain. I honestly can't believe they complain. The life, and that's the thing that always gets me because I feel like, I feel like most DJs or most comedians, right? We all start at the same place. Everyone has to play at like an empty bar. Everyone has to play at like an empty comedy club. You have to do an open mic. You have to go and do open decks. You have to put a SoundCloud mix up and get 10 listens, maybe get zero. And then eventually, you know, you do a live stream, you get 10 views. But then eventually, over time, through productions, through collaborations, through whatever, you it goes up over time, right? The views go up and shit. But you have to start from somewhere. Like, I've, you know, I played at fucking art gallery events, like private views. I'm there in the corner DJing. Like, what the fuck's a DJ doing there? But I did it. You're there fucking in barbecues. You're there at house parties where there's like one speaker facing your face. Like, it's crazy. Done it all. But we've, we've all done it. It's not unique to me. So that's why I can't understand where these guys, they get to the heights where they're at. And then they forget what it's actually like where they come from. And they start getting annoyed and frustrated that somebody may have a different point of view of how they did a certain thing. Or might say, hey, I didn't like the set. Or I didn't like the EP. Or this wasn't that great. Whatever. Just an opinion, a point of view. And imagine, this is one person, me. If you put on a party, most places, minimum capacity is what? 250 people. So 250 people paid hard-earned money minus all the guests and the fucking VIPs, to come to your event. They loved it. They enjoyed it. One person, me, one guy, comes back and does a video and says, oh, you know, that party wasn't the greatest. I didn't like this one. Like and then you're getting annoyed. You had 249 patrons that were there, that were happy. And one person says something bad and you're annoyed. Big up, Goku. Big up, big up, big up, Goku. No message, but I appreciate you, brother. Come on, man. I don't know. 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 Personally, I think maybe because I grew up on the internet, I grew up on forums and stuff. I, you know, I have, I, I've been on social media since fucking social media started. I'm so, I'm, it's not even thick skin. I'm beyond like being offended. Nothing offends me. I don't care. I put out what I put out. You like it. You don't like it. Cool. Whatever. I just keep it going. I don't take it personally. It is what it is. But some of these people, they operate in the social media realm. It's all about the image and shit and the fucking posing. But if you say the pose is shit, <laughs> and I hit you block. Fuck you. <laughs> it's the internet. It's the internet. Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. I had enough. I'm getting hot and bothered and stuff and I'm ranting and I'm not making sense. Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. Next topic to talk about that I think um is really, really yeah, exactly. Yes, Uche, you know, you know, you know MySpace. You know, I had my top friends was I think I had a MySpace. My MySpace actually was like I think I'm I hit, I hit the limit on my MySpace. I think the MySpace limit was like ten thousand something or something like that, friends. I hit the limit pretty early on. I had a pop in flipping top friends. I had all the fucking um different backgrounds on my page because you could change your page you know you could you could edit it with html code or css i forgot which one it was so i had all that shit going on there i had all the all my international friends i had friends all over the world in the asians in the americas right in the africas like everywhere it was flipping amazing man i fucking loved it some of these people i'm still friends with now big up kalila some of these friends are still bigger i'm still friends with now at the moment man it's pretty cool all these people from around the world but anyway 
Moving on. Moving on. I'm going to talk about this quickly. This is, um, yeah, let's move on to this, actually. Let's go to this, actually. Let's go, let's go here. Let's go here. Uh, yeah, let's go here, actually. Let's do this. So this is courtesy of Ellen. Oh, yo. Big up Lucid Footwear and Clothing for the 499 Super Chat. I appreciate you also. I appreciate you also. So moving on to this topic. This is courtesy of Ellen Allen, the legendary DJ, right? Legendary DJ and just somebody that I feel like comes across really well. Even though most of these people, like I said, these DJs sometimes, you know, they come across well, then you meet them in real life and they end up being cunts. I still have the feeling that Ellen Allen is a lovely, lovely person just because of how long she's been in the scene. She, you know, she's, her age is non, is non, what do you call it? Um, her age is unspecified. She could be 40. She could be 50. She could be 60. She could be 35. You don't know, actually, but she's effervescent. She has that youthful spirit about her, right? She's bubbling on the inside, looking bright, looking sunny, loving life. Look at all the pictures here. Smiling, loving, smiling, loving, having fun, smiling, loving, with friends, having a good time. And I think a lot of that comes from her kind of outlook on sort of like dance music and stuff and constantly kind of surrounding herself with younger people and tapping into what's going on at the moment and also being open to change and evolving as an artist and blah de blah 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 but one of the sick things that she does are these parties called we are not alone there's one coming up actually i think it's like a 52 54 hour one happening at the end of april so if you're in berlin and you want to check that out i definitely recommend to go and check it out especially because it's going to be at rso um one of my favorite clubs out there in berlin which is the new uh grease muller and it's going to be you know in, in, in the same day um if you want to go and check that out i really do recommend you go and check it and again a whole list of really cool up and coming and established young djs playing alongside her uh, for flipping what is it 54 hour event from april 29th all the way until the first of may ridiculous and amazing anyway that's not what i wanted to talk about what i didn't talk about was that interview with the amazing playful magazine which i think is the magazine that's now replaced resident advisor in terms of featuring and interviewing loads of amazing people in the dance music space for every reason ra even though I, I was brought up on ra a lot of the ra articles especially the event reviews are the reasons why i got this wanderlust or this you know exploration bug this whole techno tourism thing to go and check out all these amazing places and clubs all around the world and connect with different people and follow these artists and blah 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 it came from ra but over time ra kind of fell off you know and maybe a lot of it had to do with the fact that they took away the comments and stuff and started to become a little bit of a place where it started to become like a funneling and a platform for like brand deals and all this sort of malarkey and it kind of got a bit shit kind of got a bit sanitized kind of got a bit gen generic and now it's essentially just a aggregator of like dance music news that i kind of keep up with but in terms of really pushing culture and informing people on what's bubbling and what's coming next up it's not the one electronic beats was for a little bit that's why they jacked the editor and i think editor in chief electronic beats and now that person is at ra but i still haven't seen necessary changes playful mag steps in i think it's berlin based but essentially it's very very niche very core it kind of focuses on dance music with a very specific you know um target towards techno it features loads of stuff about you know the whole sex world and kink world stuff if you're interested in that it focuses a lot of flipping djs the artists the producers the people kind of you know aside from it as well and their interviews i feel like are really good because they're giving opportunities to some of these artists you don't get to see interviewed on many platforms to go interview there because a lot of the bigger people are kind of based in berlin or they pass through there ellen allen sat down to play for mag and she had some pretty cool things to say and um they clipped up a couple of the clips here on the instagram and i'm going to play for a few of them and i'm going to comment in a couple because some of the comments are hilarious like like honestly like dance music fans are legitimately some of the most like 
redacted fan bases I've seen in my entire life. Like, and redacted, if you know, you know. But this is play, this is Ellen Allian talking to Playful Mag, um, just about a whole bevy of topics. So, this is the first clip that they uploaded. I prefer Berlin now than back in the days because back in the days, what everybody thinks, like, oh, this techno community was so, um, there was also a sellout more than now with the love rate and Mayday and Low Spirit, chart music, yeah, happy core in, in, in the charts. So, um, or trance music in the charts, in the German dance charts. Yeah. And so for me now, um, how the club design uh, has a standard now, it's on a, such a high level of clapping uh, it's uh, just congratulations all promoters club owners uh, yeah and I think she's right she's essentially saying the standard of clubbing now is way higher than it was in the past maybe everything was localized beforehand when everyone used to say Berlin was the best or that area was the best maybe it was a little bit more localized in terms of where the best talent was where the best parties are but now because of the internet now because of low cost you know European travel and whatnot everything's kind of been somewhat commodified in a weird way some of it's basically been flattened and the things that you basically would see all these kind of far-flung places are now you can see in kind of home turf even for myself i've noticed in the last five to ten years it's become harder and harder to justify going on trips weekend trips to berlin to go and party and stuff because for the most part every dj that's bubbling over there who's got a bit of a name around themselves who's got a pretty decent party going on in one way shape or form they're going to come over to london especially in the uk especially to london they all so there's really no um need to go all the way out there to go and party when some of the best parties in Europe or you know in the world take place here in London also so that also makes it um a somewhat of a kind of great thing to do so now if you want to go and travel you're kind of traveling just because you want to do it you're not doing it because you can't hear that particular sound here especially when you kind of include you know live streaming and stuff involved in it as well so I really do agree with what she said here next clip in Berlin's a lot of space still yeah. You don't have to, people moving to Berlin saying always to me, oh, the rent is so expensive. I said, you know what? You don't have to live in the middle of Berlin. If you want to move to Berlin, you have to be apart from Berlin. You have to build something also in Berlin. So go in, in another, uh, uh, um, maybe a bit outside of the center and build something for the city. Make it more beautiful in this area. Mm. You know, you can't think you live in the center where everything is, restaurants, everything is settled. That the rent is low is not possible in a big city. I mean, this is a dream around Berlin. So she made a pretty, I thought, sensible comment about people who want to move to Berlin now or any kind of major metropolitan city. And, you know, where the, there's a kind of nice youthful scene bubbling up and people are complaining about the high rents and whatnot and the gentrification. She made a pretty good point. If you're coming here chasing a dream, maybe come here and 
try and live on the outskirts. You don't have to live in Neuklund. You don't have to live in Kreuzberg, right? You can kind of live on the outskirts a little bit. And maybe you could find some spots there that you could live at where you could also cultivate a scene. Because the more of you that move out to these sort of like outskirts bits outside of the main city, you may then create your own little community. And then that community might be like, hey, we don't want to keep traveling inwards to go and party. Let's create our own thing here on the outskirts. And sometimes because you're so out from the city and there's nothing around there you may be able to get away with far more and you maybe have been people there that can kind of you can build with who are kind of the same stage that you are it's just a good way to kind of get about doing things but it makes a lot of sense especially with me i've seen it here in london where the most part it's the same sort of thing um most of the places kind of outside of the main city center are where the far more interesting things are happening but it's just harder to come and back forth with um i've noticed with myself when i went to berlin for my weekend trips i've kind of got into a habit of always kind of staying around the neuklon area when now really the last couple of times i've kind of ventured out it's not really that far but technically to people that go and travel there for the weekend staying in places like wedding is a bit far but it's nice to kind of go somewhere different and kind of new and fresh and see different surroundings and that's me going there for a weekend i think if you're there moving there as a young person you probably owe it to yourself to try and really kind of push it test yourself and throw yourself into the deep end and live somewhere that isn't in the heart of the city and try and make that work try and make that figure that stuff out and even just figuring out how to get transport to go into the center to go to your job that's all part of learning how to kind of you know um blend into the city get settled find friends all those things happen during those commutes and coming back late from home one time all those things happen at the same sort of time anyway very sensible kind of common sense approach right you would think the comments are hilarious right she said that made that comment hey maybe don't think about being staying in the same place right um let's see the comment here right that people are getting annoyed by this is absolutely amazing to see somebody making such a good sensible common sense point like that and then this person got annoyed and thought that basically Ellen Allian was being rude or something, right? So um, this is it, right? This account. It's called Berliners Mad at Tenants. Or no, Ber Berliners Mad at Rents. So it basically makes sense why they're mad. They said this in reply to what Ellen Allian said. Dear Ellen, who is supposed to work in restaurants? The supermarkets. Who is supposed to work in the BSR cleaning? Cleaning our public toilets. Are these people also supposed to live outside and travel three hours a day to work for a city only the rich can afford? How are clubs supposed to survive with raising rents? As a born and raised Berliner, not able to afford her district anymore and long fan of yours, I'm disappointed. I have a community and I built something, but I cannot afford a rental market anymore. Wouldn't have expected this take by you. Since you're probably not looking for a flat, why don't you take a look at my account to see the reality for people nowadays? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? What does Ellen Allian have to do with fucking affordable rent raise, rent prices or whatever it may be in Berlin or the housing issue? What can she do for that? What, does she, what part does she have to play in that in the slightest? That is an issue you have to raise up with your local council, with your government, with your local officials, whatever it may be, right? But that's not an issue that you'd lay at the feet at a single DJ. This is a widespread gentrification issue that's super, you know, complicated and hard to kind of pass through. But to point that blame at the feet of a DJ is fucking insane, especially when they're asked, hey, 
if you're a young person in Berlin, uh, struggling with rent, what should you do? And she's like, hey, as an offer, if you, as a young person, you're coming up as an artist, my advice would be move somewhere a little bit outside of the city with cheaper rent so you have more money to spend on your art, to get creative, to maybe build a community in that smaller place that you're in, blah, 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 whatever. That's some pretty decent kind of wise advice from somebody that's kind of been there, done that. That makes a lot of sense. And then maybe as well, think about it as a kind of achievement. It's pretty cool to be like, hey, I used to live in this shitty part of Berlin. It was run down. It was far out. It was around like a countryside where people only have, you know, or anybody there only has children or whatever it may be. And then I got enough money and I got became successful enough where I was able to kind of move a bit more inward and live in the area that I actually wanted to live into. That's something comes quite nice to kind of aim for. But to kind of pin the blame on the flipping housing crisis over there in Berlin at a DJ's feet is legitimately insane. And it just speaks to how warped some of these dance music fans are, where they legitimately think like techno or dance music or club culture is some sort of political movement. It's bizarre to me personally. They really do think they have, it has a lot more kind of influence and sway into like wider issues than it does. It really doesn't, especially outside of Berlin or Germany. Outside of Berlin or Germany, especially London being a good example, gentrification machine is rampant. Whenever there's an area bubbling up, right, with young people, creative people in a really desolate part of town, there's a cool little scene behind it, people are there, they're flooding it, they're adding to the vibe, just know it's a countdown to it getting gentrified. Doesn't matter how much you protest, how much you shout and scream, they're going to build a fucking horrible glass and steel skyscraper, you know, half workspace, half flipping apartment building there. Sooner rather than later. It happens all the time. The gentrification machine just keeps rolling on and you just have to go and find another place to go and stay that's a bit cheaper and, it, and then that gets gentrified and you keep going again and you keep going again. That machine keeps rolling. But Berlin is a bit different. Sometimes, you know, petitions work, protests work. Sometimes they will put a pause on the building and say you can stay there for a little bit of time. Sometimes you can reach a middle ground. Things happen, right? There, there is some sort of negotiation here. Here in London, especially if there's a bad accident, if somebody gets injured outside of a club, inside of a club, an overdose or whatever, license removed, police shut down the place. It's pretty peak outside of the Berlin bubble. That's a bubble that people live in. Outside of that Berlin bubble, in most places, clubs aren't political spaces. They're not platforms for wider societal change. They're just revenue makers for local flipping constituents. That's all they are. Tax havens for some people. Let's not get into that part of it. But these people put way too much onus on their words, on what this music means to the grand scheme of things. It's legitimately insane. Like, legitimately insane in my opinion, to get that from what she said. But anyway, continue. More comments from Ellen Alien. I mean, it was after Corona. I, I played at Third Room in Essen, a warehouse. It was really dark. And on the way to the DJ booth, there was something in the, on the way, uh, something holding the lights, and I fell over. And oh. it was not with lightning. I didn't see it. Um, and to hold myself, I had to jump on my knee, not to fall with my head on the monitoring. <laughs> so I was in front of Fels Fatal, like this, like, like, like a käfer, like an insect. <laughs> Ellen, you have to play it, so time. I'm lying <laughs> on the floor. I said, no. <laughs> I'm screaming. No, I mean, it was after Corona, I, I played at third room. 
I'm screaming ambulance <laughs> because I, I, put, I put my, my um, trousers up looking on my knee. I couldn't move it down because it was hurting like antlers looking and there was one bone here and one bone there. <laughs> I said, okay, I broke something. So I'm like, I wonder what she was on because we, we they don't tell it in this interview. But if you are walking back to your flipping DJ booth on the way to play, Face Fatal is on there slaying, you're next up and you trip over something that you thought was a light but it was as was a cable. What were you on? Please tell me. And don't say it was water because I don't believe you. But tell me what it was on that you mistaked a cable for a light or a light for a cable. Please, someone tell me what you think she was on at that time to think that and then to what did she say it sounded like she said she went to break her fall on her knee instead of falling on the back of her head which is a weird option to take right you'd rather break your leg than hit your head i guess that makes sense right you'd rather have a broken leg than you know suffer some sort of brain injury right um that makes some sort of sense but i think there's some parts of the story that she's purposely leaving out there so big up to the legend and the last clip here do you have any Fears for the scene? Fears? No. Yeah. No. I think uh, important is when you feel fear, maybe you're not active enough. Mm. Yeah, when I feel fear, um, this is, means you don't move on. Yeah. And if you want, if you fear, I think you need to do something to help the scene or to be in the, your community and build something up. Mm. Yeah. And as long as we have communities, uh, we, uh, we run our parties by ourselves anyways. And I agree with her. I think that's the something that I've kind of been wrestling with myself because it's clear as day, as much as we like to hate on it and we don't want it, but that whole TikTok ravers scene, that music they're into, whether it's flipping, um, what's his face? Whether it's uh, SPF DJs, um, whether it's uh, LSDXOXO, whether it's a Nini H, all these people that a lot of the kind of like chin strokers and a lot of the Berlin fans or Berkheim fans who I'm probably a lot closer to than the TikTok ravers, a lot of those guys and girls don't like that scene of people and think it's too cheesy and too top top 40s now music type of vibe. The What we can see with our own eyes is that that stuff is becoming popular, way more popular than what we'd want it to be. And it's clearly introducing a whole new group of people into the club scene, whole new generation of people into the club scene, and it's changing the sound of what is being played in clubs. And there is a point where you kind of have to like just accept that that's going to be a part of the scene and maybe find your little pocket that you can exist in or try and find stuff within that genre that you do like. But resisting it and being kind of obstinate against it and just being really defensive and kind of criticized just because of what it is and because it's new isn't the greatest way to go about things in general. Because those guys and girls are going to be here longer than what we are because they're obviously younger. So there has to be some sort of changing of the guard. And I also think like if you have a little bit of a self-important vibe about you, it maybe is important to also be somebody that can be a point of um, contact. Maybe you can kind of instill some of your edu your learnings and educations to the younger generation by somewhat being open to what they like and what they listen to. Maybe. 
probably not true, probably not open, probably not of an option, whatever. But that maybe is something that people could explore. But I'm definitely I'm trying to open my eyes and ears to that sort of stuff and be like, okay, cool. Let me find stuff that I like, that I'm open to, that I want to listen to. Because there was a point where I was considering going to Possessions Festival that they were going to do in Paris. But I think it, it ended up happening, but you know, Possession ended up kind of falling off the face of the earth and they haven't really been updating their stuff since 2022. But that whole sound, I was trying to get into it, but I went to a couple of parties, never really liked it. There are some guys I like to I like in the scene that do really well, good stuff in there. And um, you just need to find the things that you like in it that kind of make sense because most likely, especially the clubs here in London, there's always a type of event that kind of falls within that range. I'm seeing more and more trance every single week when I look on RA. I'm seeing way more um, trancey type of DJs and that kind of sound. So clearly it's something that's becoming more and more popular over time and you just have to kind of get with it, innit? You kind of have to get with it. If you don't get with it, um, it's going to roll you over. Unfortunately... Moving on, and actually, this is hilarious news. So, it's now been confirmed. It's now been confirmed. It's now been confirmed that Frankie Ocean, Frankie Ocean has dropped out of Coachella completely for the following weekend. Because Coachella, as most of you guys know, it's a two-weekend affair. Weekend one just happened. Weekend two is coming up. And Frank Ocean has decided not to perform at weekend two as headliner and just bow out after a disastrous first showing for me i have to say i'm kind of surprised i'm kind of surprised i shouldn't be surprised but i'm kind of surprised i thought because the first headlining set from frank ocean went so badly he turned up an hour late um he got rid of the ice skaters last minute he didn't want to live stream he was barely singing the songs he had some DJ girl come and play and she got thrown into the mire. Even though she's a good DJ in her own regard, she got thrown into it and people didn't want to hear her and she sounded terrible or it kind of came across badly. And generally, it was a pretty mediocre show. I thought, again, maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm too optimistic. Um, I honestly did think that Frank would see the response from it, the fact that he's been away for so long and the fact that for the most part, Aside from the critics who generally like to kind of poo-poo on Frank and shit on him because they just don't like or understand his music or they get mostly because they hate his fans because with any kind of kind of with any artist who kind of has a very rabid fan base, they can be kind of annoying also the fan bases. So people usually hate the fan bases of these artists more so than the artists themselves because Frank hardly says anything. He's hardly around. So there's not much to hate him for. But I think even the people that did hate him, the thing that probably would have hurt him mostly, I think, or I would have thought would be his fans were the ones that disappointed. His actual fans that love and adore him, the ones that buy all his merch, the ones that buy all his vinyl, the ones that buy all his esoteric, highfalutin, you know, paperweight magazines, right? <laughs> the ones who buy all that shit, apart from who don't care, he doesn't drop music for ages. All those fans who are saving up all their pennies to buy his overpriced Homer jewelry. All of those people were the ones he disappointed. And I would have thought he would have been like, you know what? I disappointed my actual core fan base. I'm going to make it right. And if he would have done the bare minimum, the big of the bare minimum boys, if he would have done the bare minimum and turned up the following week and just sung, the imagine the same set list he'd done last week, just sung all the songs without doing the whole like you know flexing and doing the whole playboy carty dances on the stage and not dance and not flipping singing if you would have sung all the same songs 
the second week, no DJ, and he live streamed, everybody would have been on their feet clapping. He would have been getting write-ups and pitchfork on flipping Forbes, on Esquire, on Airmail. He would have been getting people throwing flowers at him. It would have been amazing. People would have been like, oh my God, this guy is one of the most creative artists in the world. He's genre-defining. He's important, blah, blah, blah. He would have smashed it if he would have just decided, I'm going to sing all the songs, I'm going to get rid of the DJ, and I'm going to live stream. It would have killed it. So the fact that he hasn't done it, <laughs> the fact that he didn't do the bare minimum means that he fucking hates his fans. Frank Ocean hates his fans. I'm convinced of it. I'm convinced he hates his fans. Why do I say that? My theory, my theory is, this is a weird theory to say, it's my theory is, if you're a Frank Ocean fan like I am, you know the history of Frank Ocean. And the history of Frank Ocean is that prior to his moniker, Frank Ocean, he went by his actual name, which is Lenny Brooks or Brewer, whatever it, however you pronounce that surname. And he was in the industry for a long time, songwriting and writing on himself. He never really got any play. Then he created this moniker of Frank Ocean. Then he gets signed to Def Jam. He puts out a mixtape, Nostalgia Ultra, it does bits, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, long story short, he goes to do Channel Orange, blonde, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, from the beginning, he was never really getting any love and shine from the industry. Frank Ocean was always the way that he is now, always incredibly gifted, incredible songwriter, incredible artist overall, incredible voice, but the industry didn't know what to do with him. So I think very early on in Frank's career, he got burned by the music industry. The music industry burned him and he got pissed off with it, with how, you know, toxic it is, the contracts, um, the, you know, the, the high, the executives who don't know what they're doing or saying, all these people in the industry that kind of make you fall out of love of music because the business of music is so brutal. But then he gets a lucky break where Nostalgia Ultra catches, he drops Channel Orange, four years until um, five or four years after that you know endless and blonde comes out together then he's off the label he does that whole finesse thing but there's always been big chunks of breaks in frank's career and i feel like those chunks of breaks were basically representative of his mind state so my theory is that frank ocean got burned by the music industry early on and was over it then he got a lucky break and got a record deal and got a fan base and dropped one of the best mixtapes of all time in Nostalgia Ultra. It's actually an album, but let's say it's a mixtape, one of the best ever. Then he becomes this big star. Odd Future, Features, whatever it may be. Him himself, the tours, the merchandise, the videos, everything's amazing. The artistic vision, top notch. But he actually doesn't love music anymore. He's just going through the emotions. But he's one of those guys similar to like an athlete, because we have them in football. Uh, we have a player in, in Arsenal, actually, Ben White. He's a good example of it. He's very gifted at football, very talented. Obviously, he plays for Arsenal. He made it in professional football. It's very hard to make it. But he hates football. He doesn't like training. He doesn't like talking about the game. And most likely, he'll be one of the players who isn't going to start coaching when he retires. He just plays football because he happens to be really gifted at it. That's the only reason. And I think Frank Owens is the same. He's very talented and gifted at making music. But it's not really his calling. He doesn't want to actually do it. Which is why anything that requires, anything that is like a the standard thing that artists do, like giving interviews, like updating fans, like doing live shows, going on tours, he doesn't do. <laughs> because he doesn't like it. 
But then the one thing that you've seen him doing really well and smashing, what has it been? Design. Homer. It's a bit overpriced, but you can't deny the artistic vision, the creative direction behind it. The taste level is top notch. I bet, I bet the store probably looks amazing. The magazines, they're, you know, exaggerated paperweights, but the magazines, top notch. The collaboration he did with Prada, those jackets, those anoraks, the, the quarter zips. I, I think, have you guys seen it? Um, the Frank Ocean Prada anorak. Top notch. All of this stuff that Frank Ocean has designed outside of flipping music, all this stuff has been top notch and it's all dropped. It's all released when it's meant to release. It's all sold out. It's all done amazingly well. All of this stuff is the stuff that he actually enjoys. This stuff, right? Um, Homer. Homer jewelry. Let's get that stuff up on here so you see what it flipping looks like. This shit. All flipping beautiful. All the stars are wearing it, right? Drake is flipping always head to toe dripping in flipping Homer jewelry. He loves this stuff. This is what Frank Ocean actually enjoys. All of this creative direction, how the the product shots, the, the, the lifestyle images and lookbooks inside of the flipping, you know, magazines and catalogs. Who do you think is doing it? Frank Ocean's doing all this stuff. He's obviously hiring people to do it, but it's all his creative direction. All of this stuff is his creative direction. This is what he actually loves to do. But when it comes to doing music and standing on the stage and singing, he doesn't like it. I'm convinced of it. This is why we get this version of Frank Ocean. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering, right? Why is it that more artists, especially someone like Frank, who got out of his deal with Def Jam in that legendary finesse, one of the greatest finesses of all time, he was able to drop albums out under his own label, reap all the rewards, has a rabid fan base that buys everything that he does, whether it's a t-shirt, jewellery, LPs, um, magazines, it doesn't matter, they love him. Why do artists like him, who has the ability to be loose and do what he wants, not just come out and say, hey guys, I'm taking a sabbatical. Obviously, you know what's happening with my brother and RIP to you know, Frank Ocean's brother and whatnot. I'm still grieving over that. But in general, I just want to take some time away from music and pursue my, my creative endeavours I'm actually passionate about. Why don't more artists just say that? Because if you would have just said that in the beginning, no one would no one would really kind of bother him as much or care or put high expectation on things. But when you don't say nothing and you're away for like seven years, then you pop up and you agree to do Coachella. It's within reason that people expect you to pull in a sick performance. You've been away for seven years. You've accepted one of the most normy, um, popular festivals in the world. This is not some like, you know, um, underground chin stroker uh, boutique festival. This is the most commercial festival there is. There's sponsor booths everywhere. People taking pictures and shit. Bad Bunny's headlining. Blink-182. You have to come and step up. And he didn't. And I feel like he really fucked over his fans in a big way in that regard. And it seems like nowadays, as time goes by, people don't really put up with that shit anymore you see a lot with Kanye towards the end of Kanye's freakouts people started to give less and less shits they're like look we don't care if you make good music we don't care if you make cool clothes or you make cool sneakers you're annoying and people just get over it very quickly they're like you know what we're over you man allow it you're too much stress 
And I think the same thing's happening with Frank Ocean. People are kind of getting over him a little bit. They're kind of figuring out, you know what? You're a little bit pretentious. A little bit pretentious. You're kind of insufferable. It's a gig. You accepted it a long time ago. It was in the books a while ago. If you weren't in the right mental state to do it, cancel. If it's been a long time since you've done it, come up and put on a good show for your fans. Suck it up and put on a good show. And part of me thinks the whole rationale about his grieving is true. But it's also a convenient excuse. Many artists go on tour, create music, um, do interviews and do whatever with mad shit going on behind them in their personal life. But if you're a professional, you suck it up and you just go on. You don't do all this stuff, not all this theatrics and nonsense. Because the people you should feel sorry for, or I feel sorry for, are the guys and girls who bought a ticket for the second weekend. This is the ultimate honey dick. You got a crappy performance from Frank Ocean the first weekend and you probably thought, man, he's probably going to come harder the next weekend. Like I did. Because you bought a ticket, like, man, he's going to come harder next weekend. He's going to really deliver. And then you, you wake up today. Oh, no, he cancelled. And they replaced him. They replaced him with Blink-182. <laughs> Blink-182. They got some good songs. What the fuck do they know about headlining Coachella? no but you know what i mean like they, they got some decent songs but if you're a frank ocean fan there's no way you're gonna be happy with blink 182 there's no way there's no way that's not what you want to hear if fucking odd future fans odd future fans booed drake off of the stage at the go at one of those golf wang flog now festivals because they thought frank ocean was meant to be performing they booed drake off the stage imagine frank ocean fans being happy with blink 182 if you're not happy with drake you can't be happy with blink 182 so frank really fucked over his fans in a big way man in a big 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 way and the honest truth of it is that he doesn't give a shit and even though his fans are really upset all it takes is him putting out another album another live tour video thing or something and it's all forgiven but I think in general, for me, it doesn't, it shouldn't matter. But I'm, I'm getting to a place, I'm maybe with age. If an artist becomes like insufferable, too pretentious and too up their own ass to kind of follow and keep an eye on and stuff, I get exhausted and I just move on. Quietly. I don't make a fuss about it. I don't say, I'm never going to listen to you again and I break my CD in half. No, I just quietly move on to somebody else. And I think most people are like that nowadays. The, the kind of, you know, obsessive fandom where you just forgive everything, it doesn't exist as it once did. So I think he's playing with fire in this regard. But I still think, deep down, Frank, he's not really into music like that. I, I don't think so. I think he's just gifted in music. He was blessed from the gods with a gift to make music, clearly. But it's not really his passion. And it shows in anything he does. Because he the last place he wants to be is on stage singing. <laughs> he fucking hates it and it's not even like anxiety and shit you can tell like he does not want to be there he turned up the first weekend in an anorak um some lounge pants and house slippers <laughs> and a durag like the durag you go to bed with not even a durag to go out with the the bed durag like he doesn't care anyway let's read the article to finish it Frank Ocean will not return to Coachella stage for the festival's second weekend, dropping out after sustaining two fractures and a sprain to his left leg when did he fracture and sprain his, le his left leg? When he was doing the fucking, um, the rolly dance. 
when he was doing the fucking bust down dance. That's when he flipping sprained his ankle and he's flipping leg. Come on, man. This excuse is so lame. If you're going to be a diva and you're going to cancel, just cancel for being a diva. Don't make up excuses. I've got fucking, um, what you call it? I've got a headache. <laughs> I broke my back. <laughs> Come on, man. Um, in a statement provided by when, and this is more fun. He provided a statement to TMZ. In a statement provided Wednesday to TMZ, Frank's rep said, after suffering an injury to his leg on the festival grounds in the week leading up to weekend one. So he was in the festival grounds at Coachella doing backflips, doing parkour, doing some movement shit, doing some fucking, you know, some um, bodily yogury type of stuff with like grunt noises and shit, right? And he what, sprained his leg? Or playing hacky sack, because Frank looks like a hacky sack kind of guy, doing hacky sack and shit, and then he twisted his ankle or some shit. Come on, man. People have performed with broken legs before. Like, come on. Like, I'm just thinking now, didn't two chains? Two chains were an entire tour in a fucking wheelchair because he broke his leg. He performed an entire tour. He didn't cancel it. He did his entire tour sitting in a fucking wheelchair. Come on, brother. After suffering a leg injury, Frank Ocean was unable to perform the intended show, but was still intent on performing. And in the 72 hours, the show was reworked out of necessity. They continue. On doctor's advice, Frank is not able to perform in the second weekend due to two fractures and sprain in his leg. It doesn't matter, bruv. Like, he could have legitimately sat or lay down in a bed like Tim Dillon when he recorded that podcast in a bed style and people would be happy with it. Frank tells us it was chaotic. There, there was some beauty. It, it wasn't what I intended to show, but I did enjoy being out there and I'll see you soon. <laughs> He's not seeing you soon. You will not see Frank Ocean again for another year, minimum. He's gone, gone. He's going back to his fucking New York studio, his bungalow apartment or whatever amazing place that he has with great furniture, drawing amazing pieces of art, chilling out with Omar, Omar Apollo, you know, watching cool shit, taking pictures of each other. Like, he's not going to be seen for a while. Uh, TMZ broke the story. Ocean allegedly hurt his ankle on the festival grounds leading up to the show, causing some last minute changes. So Pierce thinks were very much as initially thought. And there's some people there um, oh shit is that g easy wow g easy looks very different isn't it let's see some pictures actually so anyway frank is gone he's not performing anymore it's over let's see the pictures of people there jenna ortega don't you find it interesting as well by the way have you guys seen how different some of these people look when they're like in like real life outside under like the sun and shit when they don't have you know filters to, you know like they look very different, don't they? Like these celebrities. Very, very different. Jenna Ortega sitting down on the floor here looking cool. You've got Bella Fawn looking very yassified in the face. Right? Looks like there's some... But hey, do what you're doing. Very yassified in the face. If you know, you know. you got someone called Olivia O'Brien. I don't know who that is. Uh, you got another... Oh my God, look at that. Oh my God! Never take off your hat. Is that the guy that's, that does a podcast with Logan Paul? Never take off your hat. Wow. You know, some dudes have like head, head, hat head, hat head. Not because they're bald, just that they have a head that looks good in hats. Like I have a head that looks good sometimes without a hat. Some people have a head that looks good with a hat. So if that's the case, never take the hat off. 
<laughs> Sleep with your hat, shower with your hat, run with your hat, fuck with your hat, but never take it off. But yeah, that's the other guy that nearly died because of uh, who? Shane Dawson or someone who, who nearly killed him. This this YouTuber is always crying. You nearly killed me, but you didn't die in it. You didn't. So stop crying. Like well, I don't know who nearly killed him, but someone killed this YouTuber. He's always crying about it, um, but he didn't die. So if you didn't die, just shut the fuck up. But hey, what do I know? Um, you got another person called Claudia Suluski, and who's this person? Phineas. I don't know who Phineas is. You got a person called May Pang. I'm gonna keep my comments to myself. Uh, you've got another person called Alaya Chanel Scott and Renee Rap. Another person called Elu Elui. Who? Leah Elui. Leah Elui. Elui. However you say that. you got another person here called Anna Godwin. Paige Taylor. Yo, are the dresses... Again, mate, I'm not... I'm a man. I'm a hetero straight male, so I probably don't have any opinion here. But am I the only person... That thinks all of these outfits are giving sheen. Don't get me wrong. If I'm Paige Taylor, whoever this girl is, and I'm getting paid to go to Coachella, if you're not dressing me a big brand, I'm ordering my outfit from Sheen. And whatever appearance fee that I get, I'm pocketing it. I'm not spending any more money than I have to to be here. Do you know what I mean? That's what I'm doing. I'm getting my pictures off. I'm wearing my Sheen outfit. And then when I go home, I'm binning it. I'm throwing it in the ocean. It's going to choke some turtle, but it is what it is. But am I the only person that thinks all these dresses look very cheap? Unless they wanted, like, I, I don't know if they are designer, but all these girls' outfits look very, very, like, cheap. Or is it me? I don't know. Maybe it's me. They, they look very, very sheeny. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, if I'm, a, if I'm an influencer, I'm wearing sheen every day. Unless you're paying me. I'm not spending any money on clothes. Literally. This person, is, is that there with his mum? Or is this his girlfriend? Is that his mum or girlfriend? I don't know. It's giving mummy, it's giving girlfriend, I'm not unsure. Uh, Kova, Anon, and Alex Warren. If it's mum and son, cool. If it's girlfriend and boyfriend, I guess cool. Uh, Jake Clark, Dixie D'Amelio. Oh, she looks cool. That's a nice outfit. I like this. Very 90s, early 2000s vibe. Maybe get rid of the studded belt, but I love the baggy jeans. The midriff showing with a t-shirt. I like this. This is, this is actually one of my favourite looks. She looks good there. Big up Dixie D'Amelio. Um... Who's this? Alexandria Ambrosia, the model. Looking like a proper mum in it. That's very much mum vibe. That's like wino mum, you know? Couple of couple of white wines, couple of gin martinis and shit, right? That's mummy vibes for sure, but she's enjoying herself, so all that matters. Georgia Hasarati and Cara Delevingne. Oh, three months sober, Cara, Cara Delevingne, eh? Let's give her an award. Fuck off. Um... Who else you got here? Semi, Simi, oh, this is uh, The Weeknd's girlfriend. Yeah, Simi Kadara. Ka Ka how do you say her name? Kadra. Simi Kadra. Weekend's done done well for himself, mate. Big up The Weeknd, eh? Big up The Weeknd, eh? Big up The Weeknd. BLM. Uh, Dylan Barber, whoever that is. Olivia Kuplo. Oof, those boots are going to be sweaty, innit? These, like, fire-high denim boots. Aren't the best option if you're going to a festival under the sun. You'd imagine, no? You're going to be sweating so much. But big up her regardless. Cassie Bonstrat. Who's, I don't know who that is. Uh, Amelia Gray. I'm not too sure who this Eva is. But she looks very fit. Big up that arm. Loads of Pilates in there. Um, oh, sweetie. Aye! 
Sweetie's there looking absolutely fab, of course. The two guys in the back thinking, Jesus Christ, they're all, they're doing all those yams, mate. What do I do with all those yams, eh? Sweetie's out here looking absolutely thicker than the Snickers. Jesus Christos. When you wear like, when you wear these little things as belts, like these kind of like, you know, plasticky bracelet things as belts, that's when you know you're snatched, right? <laughs> when you can wear a bracelet as a belt, <laughs> that's when you know you look good. <laughs> oh, shit. Tyler the Creator, big up him. Ledge, someone called Kyla Rich, Richcart, Rickcart. I, I don't know who that is. Big up her. She has a nice outfit. Again, it's giving a bit of sheen, but that's a nice one. Bebe Rexa looking thicker than a Snickers also. Big up her. Uh, Glorilla looking pretty cool there. I like Glorilla's outfit. Glor Glorilla's got a good outfit. That's a good outfit. That's a very cozy festival outfit. I like this. All camo with some Tom Ford. Oh, I didn't know Tom Ford make Tom Bobs like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I like this. This Glorilla look is absolutely banging. She looks great, to be fair. Big up Glorilla. Oh, Jesus Christ. There's a crack in the back. There's a crack in the back. <laughs> Let's continue. Someone called Deli Belly. I don't know who that is. Delilia Belly. Uh, Ming Lee Simmons. Don't know who that is either. I'm so unfamiliar with these people. Oh, look. Um, Shrey Schmeder with a sweetie. Looking good. Devin Carlson. Don't know who that is. Oh, James Charles. Yay. The legend, James Charles. Looking good, brother. I want to see the BBL, though. No homo. I want to see the BBL. Oh, yes, homo, actually. I want to see the BBL. Let me see the BBL. Let me see what that what that man did. What work did he do on you? Cause, and as well, big up uh, James Charles. He hasn't changed his haircut in like 10 years, isn't it? He's been sticking with this like mohawk thing oh, for ages, isn't it? This like faux mohawk mullet thing. Like no mullet at the back, but mullet in the front. He loves his trim. He doesn't change it in the slightest. But yeah, big up James Charles. We need to see that BBL, brother. Let us see that BBL. Um, we've got Christina Shulman. Another Lexa Hessner, Maddie, Madison Pettis. All of these names are very like, this is, these are trust fund names, isn't it? This is when your parents are like loaded and you get a fucking 50k allowance per week. Madison Pettis, Lexi Hensler. These are all people that go to like international schools. You meet them in like an international school in like Austria or Switzerland, right? Or like Argentina, but they don't speak Spanish. Like those are the types. Like this is, this is the vibe, man. International students. Like look at the, look at that smile. That's only a smile from a kid who knows that your bank card is never going to decline. That's the smile of a kid that knows my card is never declining. That's a never declining card. You know, you don't even look at the prices. You just eat when you're, when you're hungry, you eat. When you're cold, you, you, you buy new clothes. <laughs> you know, that's that's the vibe. Like, that is the vibe. That's the vibe of the person where when you're booking an apartment or Airbnb, wherever the first option is, you just click it. You don't even look for the cheapest one. You just click it. You don't even move the barometer to see the price. You just click the first link. That's the vibe. Look at that smile. That's carefree. That is living life. You know, that's just like pure happy. Like, look, look at that glow. That's the glow of like, daddy and mommy, you've got it. I'm fine. I would love that, honestly. One thing I would love if I could come back in another life, I'd love to come back as just a rich kid. <laughs> you just start on fucking, you know, uh, you just start on third base for the moment you're born. Look at fucking Rihanna's kid. You seen Rihanna's kid? An ASAP Rocky kid? You see how much that kid's smiling? That kid knows he's rich. That's that smile. He knows he's rich from birth. 
<laughs> anyway, continue. Someone called Olivia Pontoon. Someone called Paige Taylor. There's a lot of like cowboy shit going on at Coachella, isn't it? What's what's the cowboy vibe? It's in LA. It's not in Austin or Texas. What's the slutty cowboy cowgirl thing going on? What's happening? Why is everyone dressing like a slutty cowboy cowgirl? Uh, I don't know. I like the boots though. Uh, Sophia Villaroli and Edwin Roman. I wish I knew who these people were. Honestly, they look really cool, but I don't know. This is another cool outfit. I don't know. To be fair, I'm not. I'm gonna say it's not cool. You can't go to Coachella wearing fucking uh, Solomon's. I'm sorry, you can't. Like you have to put your your Solomon's or whatever in a bin or put them on ice. You can't be wearing gazelles and shit to a festival. Like you know, try try something. Have a little bit of an outfit on. But your regular schmegular day-to-day kicks. No Air Force Ones, no Solomons, no Vans. Spruce up a little bit. Try something different. That's a little bit of a boring look, to be fair. A little bit lazy. Come on, Sophia. Whoever you are. Come on. Second weekend coming up. Someone called Toady Smith. Cute baby. Someone called Zane Hajazi. Or same baby, I think. Or maybe the twins. Who knows? Someone called Sarah. T- Again, why are these girls wearing fire high boots and cowboy boots? What's happening this trend? Everyone's wearing cowboy shit. Space cowboy, slightly cowgirl. Huh. Sarah Talaby and Leah Marie Talaby. Look at these faces. You're not telling me this is giving trust fund. Imagine being a trust fund twin. Oh, that's beauty. You get to have a sibling you can share it with. And you're both rich. Oh, oh, you're never bored. And you have all the money. Some people have it all, man. Some people have it all. Um, Baby Rose. Oh, yes. One of my favorites. Please. Please. If you haven't, please. Please check out Baby Rose's album. What's the album that I have on my flipping phone? Oh, my God. She's so good. She's so fucking good. Please, if you haven't heard before, please check out Baby Rose. Um, What do I have? Yeah, To Myself. It's this album called To Myself. Please check it out if you haven't already. This one there, To Myself. It's already on Apple Tunes. Please check it out. It's amazing. She's one of the best R&B singers. Very underrated. So I'm ready to check her out. Baby Rose, love and appreciate you. You look amazing. Um, Someone called James Henry. Day Two Pictures. More, I don't know, Janelle Monet. Uh, Trent, Tiana Taylor looks amazing. Camila Cabello, I'm not really a big fan of. To be fair, I, I, I've never liked what she... Uh, to be fair, you know what I don't like about Camila Cabello? The hair. She never fucking changes the hair. She has the same head of hair since like five years. She's kind of got that Beyonce thing. Beyonce loves that curl thing and never changes it. Same with Camila Cabello. She's got hair like a fucking, you know, like it comes out from all over the place, but it never changes. Like cut it into a bob, put it into a ponytail. Like, j- come on, do something. Like, come on, girl, come on. Uh, moving on here, Addison Pack and Dommy. Fucking Addison Pack. Like, I'd love to party with Addison Pack, mate. I'd love, I'd love to rack up some lines with Addison Pack. He will be fun to hang out with. I've got a feeling. Racking up some lines with Addison Pack and fucking Kate Trinada. Oh, that would be vibes. <laughs> that would be vibes. I'd be all over it. I swear to God. I would be all over it. Uh, Glorilla again. Jeremy Weeks. Oh, Jer- oh, that's the model guy, right? The one I was in prison and everyone was fussing over. Big up him. 
and uh, Shine Shay. Okay, cool. Okay. 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 Bella, okay, cool. No more. I'm, I'm bored now. But yeah, you get the gist. Um, everybody was out there looking great. Big up big up TMZ. Big up everybody went to Coachella. Um, and then we got one more to talk about, I think, I want to speak about, which is... Where can I find it here? Let's mention... Where is it? Yeah, let's do this. So... It was the Fear of God show recently at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, the first real life in IRL um, Fear of God fashion show um, from Jerry Lorenzo. And he debuted the new Fear of God basketball, Adidas basketball collaboration. So um, they, they signed a very, it's a very interesting thing, approach. So obviously Jerry Lorenzo was with Nike for a bit. Then I guess a contract ran out didn't re-sign him for some reason even though i think his shoes at nike were really good and then he decided to then sign link up with adidas but not under the adidas originals banner or the adidas mainline but adidas basketball so it's a performance related product so it's not lifestyle which you know technically all lifestyle is performance anyway but this is like you know footwear and clothing specifically made for you know under the kind of adidas basketball banner so it's going to have a lot of stuff that you'd imagine will be somewhat technical and you know hold up in the rigors of basketball so the shoes have now debuted we've now seen what the shoes are and these are what the shoes look like the final shoes not the leaked images that we saw but the final ones and to me although they look pretty decent they do look a lot like the nikes that um Jay Lorenzo did at Nike. Jay Lorenzo did at Nike the last ones before he left, and they also do look very similar to some Y3 Adidas's, right? Yoji Yamamoto Adidas designs. They kind of look like a hybrid of like the shoe that he did at Nike last, and then of course any kind of Adidas Y3 in terms of aesthetic overall. So if you're not watching this, essentially you've got this really nice um, sock upper with these really big um, stripes and this sort of like plastic material, which I'm assuming acts as like a cage um, with the laces to kind of keep the forefoot kind of leaked in. You've got this kind of neoprene sock design at the top to kind of keep your foot placed. And then you've got this really nice thick translucent sole, which isn't super thick. It looks thicker than what it is because it's essentially a somewhat vulcanized sole so that your actual foot is around here. But then they've made it look thicker because the actual whole midsole unit kind of you know, creeps over the actual line, the bottom line of where your foot sits, because your foot's going to actually sit here. That's where the actual line is. So it's kind of vulcanized, but then it's a bit actual added and it kind of looks thicker than it is. And then you've got this nice kind of like grey knit material on the front, the same material in the main body. And then you've got this sock liner here with no tongue. And then you've got some extra fastens here with the pull strings and the added laces that I'm sure if you pull them, that kind of acts like a cage that kind of pulls your foot in. So they look decent enough, don't get me wrong. But considering all the fuss that Jay Renzo was making about kind of saying the samples that came out earlier weren't the same. But if we check them, right, the Jerry Lorenzo Adidas samples or leak, I don't think they look that dissimilar than the leak. They look kind of similar, to be fair. He said it wasn't the same shoe and it's not the same one, but they look very similar. And even the logo at the front, it's the same logo he tattooed or had put on his neck in part of the promo pictures when he signed up to Adidas. So this, these, and this, this shoe here, I think they look very similar. So the fact that he made such a big stink about, no, they're not the same shoe. That shoe that leaked is not the shoe that I'm putting out. They're pretty much in the same ballpark. 
yes of course they're different overall in terms of the design but overall in terms of aesthetic they look kind of similar they still got they both have the same um you know vulcanized type of like translucent sole it's the same sort of color blocking on the top with the black and the cream this has got the black and sort of like a gray type of colorway the neoprene upper vibe this particular shoe has like more of a prominent tongue that you can see there but they look very 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 similar in my opinion in terms of the shoe i think so they look very very similar but regardless that's what they look like the adidas um, basketball shoe is still meant to be coming out and that's them in another colorway and there's another shoe here also that he's made i'm not too sure if this is a jerry lorenzo no it looks like adidas also so maybe this is another model there's two models here there's this model that's going to be coming out soon i'm assuming and then there's a model here at the back um, that is more of a traditional runner with, uh, and again, a thicker sole that I actually like to look at probably a lot better. I probably look, I probably like these in the back better than I like the fourth, the ones in the foreground, actually, in terms of a look. But yeah, um, Jay Lorenzo did a fashion show. Um, so far, we haven't got any pictures for it. Let me actually check the Vogue magazine app. But the last time I checked the app, there was no actual pictures for the actual clothing, which is strange. He didn't live stream it. Oh, it's available now on Vogue. Amazing. It's cool. We can check it out on Vogue live in the show. So it's available on Vogue. But a few celebrities were there. Here's a picture. Whoop, I have to get rid of that on the screen because it's got titties. But here's a picture of uh, Kanye with his wife, Bianca Cesori or Sensori, um, in the back putting on their outfit. Um, they've got this really cool mesh type design um, thing on top of them. It looks like pantyhose. It could be something else all over. Um, Bianca's covered head to toe in it. Kanye's got the mask all over his face, obscuring his face. I pretty, I much like that a lot. I'm not going to lie. I'm actually surprised, to be honest, in this era of, you know, paparazzi and invasion of privacy and stuff, that more celebrities don't go out with stuff like this on their face. Do you think it's shyness? Why don't more celebrities wear these masks on their face? Just, especially someone like a Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio clearly hates having his picture taken. He's always got his hat super low down, his glasses on, he puts his, you know, his jacket over his face. Why does he just wear one of these masks? What's, you know I mean, like, what's, why? I don't understand why he, uh, why he basically doesn't do that. Because if I was a celeb and I wanted to live a somewhat regular life and go out and about, that's what I would do. I would never take my face mask off. I just have it on the whole time, have a hat on. And just be keep. I know people would recon, recognize you anyway, but that would be a better way to live than having to, you know, fake hide your face when you call the paparazzi on yourself. But anyway, that's them getting dressed, look amazing. Obviously, you can't, you know, show too much of it because the boobies and titties are out. I don't want to get banned. Um, but they looked amazing there. That's them vibing. Kanye got some new shoes on. I want to see those. And there's another video here of Kanye at the show vibing. I like the hood. Also, another thing to mention, right? This is something again. Maybe I'm a fan. I'm too much of a geek in this sort of vibe. I really do like Kanye's aesthetic when it comes to hoods. He has a particular type of design on hoods that I love, and you know what it is? My favorite hood shape: Ku Klux Klan, KKK. <laughs> that pointy hood design is something that I've always loved on hoods, and used to get them before on like champion hoodies. But they didn't, they didn't kind of remove them. And the only place that you get that kind of really big pointy design is old Bape hoodies. On They had that pointy cone shape on the hood. Um, Yeezy hoodies and Vetema hoodies. 
those are the t- hoodies that you get with the cone shape, that kind of KKK, Ku Klux Klan pointed shape. And Kanye does a good job of them. Like, look at the shape of that hood. Nice and big. And usually I like them because it fits my fucking hair in and it just looks intimidating. It kind of um, obscures your face. It makes you look crazy and shit as you're running behind, you know, white ladies walking down an alleyway. Like, I fucking love it. <laughs> but anyway, this is it. Kanye at the show. Kanye and his wife. Look at that. Look at mum and dad at the show, chilling, having fun, right? Mum and dad at the show, completely cover head to toe, right? I think because it's Ramadan or something, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, let's continue. Um, more images of Kanye there. Now without the mask. <laughs> Going crazy. We love that. We love to see him happy and having fun. Set design at the actual show looks pretty cool, right? It's giving um it's giving Scientology the stage design. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie, especially considering Jay Lorenzo is a proper hardcore Christian. This is kind of giving indoctrination. It kind of feels like you have to go up there and give your life to Christ or get baptized somewhere along the way. But I'm liking it regardless. Um, we continue. There's more images here. This is again is giving early Yeezy vibe when he did the show at the Madison Square Garden with like Ian Connor and Young Fug back in the day. It kind of gives a similar sort of vibe. Oh, nice hip hop and Tupac there playing in the background. I'm not gonna play it. I don't wanna get copyright striked. We continue. There's a video here. Oh, look, there's a video of Kanye West actually, head to toe, covered with his bride, um, saying hi to flipping Jay Lorenzo in the back. So clearly, Jay Lorenzo hasn't cancelled Kanye, even though Kanye trashed, you know, Tremaine and made that whole flipping tremendous account and was going after fucking everyone in streetwear and stuff. It looks like Jay Lorenzo is probably one of the only true friends that are standing next to him. Um, him and maybe Matthew Williams. I think Heron Preston maybe doesn't talk to him anymore. But Jay Lorenzo is clearly still friends with Ye. He still loves the guy. Oh, Kanye looks cool, bro. I love the outfit. I'm not going to lie. I love the outfit. He's got this bomber jacket on that looks like new season Yeezy. The hood on the jacket is great, isn't it? Look at that hood design. It kind of is seamless into the body. I don't know how it kind of fastens on the front to make you have that shape, but it looks fucking great. And then he's got uh, some sort of necklace thing around him. Maybe it's like a pass or something underneath it. Some cool gloves he's wearing. And then he has some weird slipper things on. I'm not sure if that's New Yeezy's, if that's New Yeezy either. He's got these slipper type things on at the bottom. Let's see if I can find them on this clip. These like slipper things. I'm sure someone's got them from the account. But yeah, they look like these slipper type shoes. There, he's wearing, which look cool as well. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. People say airport look. That is me at the airport. That's why I wear when I go when I go to the airport. I'm always in all black like that, mate. All black, head to toe, vet them up. Big up Demna. Jay looking good, feeling happy. Another clip of the show. Let's go to Vogue Runway actually and check it. I just had to see what the actual show looks like, the clothing and shit. The shoes I'm not that impressed by. Okay, cool. H&M, Mugula, we can, I can probably check out the next show, but let's see what this new Fear of God and Adidas stuff looks like anyway. How many looks are they giving us? I'm going to say Jay Lorenzo probably gave us more than 50 looks. I'm guessing more than 50 because he does love, you know, different flipping colors of the same overcoat. So let's see. I'm saying 50. But maybe it's going to be less. Let's see what it says when it loads. How many looks do we get here? 
as view slideshow. How many give us? I say 50. What's the final number? 60. Fucking hell. 60 looks. Okay, we're not going to go through the whole thing. So I'm going to go back and I'm just going to do it on the main page. Cause that's, a, that's a cool cheat way to go about it. Let's scroll down. There's full collection. You do click load more and it loads all of them up like this. So you can just quickly scan through them. But 60 of these looks is, oh my God, stop doing that. Let's go back again. 60 is too much, man. Too much of the same cream, black and beige type of shit. But let's check it anyway. Anyway, let's see. Uh, it's loading there. Let's click load more. Cool. There we go. So let's see what we're doing. We're looking within shapes. What you'd expect from um, Jay Lorenzo, to be honest, it looks a little bit like Zegna, the collaboration that he did beforehand. Nice boxy shapes with a with a sprinkling of tailoring here and there to make them look all chic. Some nice silhouettes. Everything looks very cozy and comfy. But I want to see the ADS basketball stuff. Let's see where that is in this collection. Um, the casting looks awesome as per usual. Like this kid here looks great in this outfit. I love that. Um, look number 25. But I want to see the ADS basketball. Ooh, I also love this as well. This is really lovely. Look number 30. I wear the fuck out of that outfit. But let me see the Adidas basketball stuff. Where are you? Adidas basketball. There we go. We've got some Adidas stuff here with those shorts. I think. Maybe Adidas stuff here with those pants there. Maybe some stuff there with those track pants. But I can't find anything specific that is Adidas. Where is it? Maybe towards the end. Not this stuff here. Look 45 onwards not. These leather looks are really nice. It's kind of giving his own version of Yeezy a little bit in here. The gloves are really cool. I love some of the pants here. Uh, there's that Supreme guy. Cool. Big up him. Where's Adidas basketball shit? I don't see it. Okay, maybe Pusha T's wearing the whole look. That Pusha T looks pretty cool. Alton Mason, he looks really nice in this outfit. But yeah, okay. I don't know. It looks okay. Bit underwhelming on, on first look, but I'll probably have to give it a detailed look later on and kind of have a deep dive. But it does look a little bit underwhelming. I'm not going to lie. Looks a little bit underwhelming from what I can see so far. But we'll have to check it out later and see if it is as underwhelming as I think it, A.B., because I don't want to waste too much of your time. Anyways, the time is now shifting. Time is now gone. It's now getting dark here, which means I have to go on and do the stuff that I need to do in my life to kind of get it nice and centered and shit. Hopefully you've enjoyed the show. This was the Excellent Zinger Show live stream and podcast. If you've enjoyed it, hopefully you have let me know that'll be greatly appreciated i've changed up some stuff here on the live stream i've added some borders here i've moved stuff around added some little social media graphics and banners and whatnot just to kind of spruce it up a little bit right um so hopefully that should work and the chat now is somewhat permanent because i've you know basically added the the youtube chat into the screen so it's not as you know as it was before because the other thing kept crashing so it should be working as intended now so hopefully that's good and my computer's kind of in a better space now so i've got the settings where it needs to be i'm not going to change anything go crazy so everything should be pretty decent but anyway all that to say all of that to say thank you for the stream chat for hanging in there with me i appreciate every single one of you that's been tuning in i really really do big up all of you guys out there it's been an absolute blast i've enjoyed every single bloody minute of it and i hope you have too if you have enjoyed it do me a favor and flip in smash that like button for me greatly appreciate if you haven't enjoyed it then i hopefully 
I can earn your like um, next stream. Hopefully, I can earn your like next stream. I sound like the fucking uh, quartering, innit? Hopefully, I can earn your subscription in your own. Shut up. Anyway, um, next time, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, oh, actually, that's what I was going to say. Before I end, I'm so bad at ending podcasts. But before I end, I'm going to be back with the random show later on tonight. So if you're around tonight, try, tune into the random show and we'll be going through a couple of bits and pieces not that much because it's been a bit dead on the comedy scene but if you want comedy stuff i'll be streaming later on again tonight so definitely tune in but for now this was the agassino zinga show episode number 667 thank you for everyone for tuning in big up the stream chat appreciate every single one of you it's been absolutely amazing i feel ya the vibes are here and i'll see you guys again i'll see you all again very very soon oh actually what's that question uh yes uh chris i have one check the description brother the discord link is in the description it's in the description check there it should be there if the link doesn't work let me know and i'll update it but the link should be on there um but yeah um thank you so much to you guys for tuning in it's been a pleasure never a chore um and i'll see you all guys again very very soon um thank you so much excellent zing show episode number 667 if you listen to the audio podcast you'll hear my tune of the day if you're not listening to the audio podcast, it will just fade to black and you won't hear anything. But for now, I bid you guys farewell. Take care. Peace. Those three words are said too much. They're not enough. If I lay here. If I just lay here Would you lie with me and just forget the world? Forget what we're told Before we get too old Show me a garden that's bursting into life Waste time Chasing cars Around our heads I need your grace To remind me To find my If I lay here If I just lay here Would you lie with me And just forget the world Forget what we're told Before we get too old Show me a God Set into life
if I just let